Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mage the Ascension, the Victorian Age. This is Editor Kelly speaking from the far distant future. Just to let you know, these episodes were live recordings uh, recorded over Zoom during the middle of the COVID pandemic. So if the audio quality isn't perfect at the beginning, I guarantee that it does get much better as the series progresses. With that out of the way, I just wanted to thank you for joining us for Mage the Ascension. This chronicle means a lot to us. Thank you so much for tuning in. Now on with the show. Mage the Ascension, the Victorian Age is a podcast intended for mature audiences. It contains scenes of horror, sexuality, and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Dork Tales presents Mage the Ascension, the Victorian Age. Book One, The Devil and the Doves. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the zeroth episode of Mage the Ascension, the Victorian Age. Uh, I'm Kelly. I'm your storyteller for this uh, hopefully epic adventure, and I'm very excited to be here because in this episode, we get to talk about the game. Uh, we get to wear normal clothes because that's not going to be a thing for the next mm, Saturdays that we're doing this. And uh, and yeah, um, and if you're wondering, uh, Jen and I, uh, coincidentally tonight, uh, both wore our commemorative Mage the Ascension Technocracy live action role playing shirts that we had made up for the LARP that we ran. Uh, this is a tour shirt because it was an alternate reality game with all of the places we went uh, across the multiverse on the back. Um, yep. These are limited edition, although I'm going to talk to Michael about that. We're going to find something out. Uh, <laughs> cool. Uh, I could have swapped out for it. I just didn't realize. Yes, yeah, so could have I, but I was like, well, then yeah. Robin would be kind of left on her own without him to join in. So. <laughs> All right. It's so. fine, guys. Don't worry. Don't include. It's fine. <laughs> Right. Ooh, there we go. Move that to the side. All right. So, folks, uh, tonight is not actually a game. Tonight is where we're going to talk about the game. We're going to get you hyped for it, and we're going to do a little bit of work so that you know who we are going into this and what we do. Uh, so, I actually, for once in my ADD-addled life, um, legitimate. Not. It's not a euphemism or a or a joke for me. I'm actually super. Super ADD. I made a list of things that we're going to cover tonight. So uh, first I, of all, I made him made a, make a list. Jen made me. Jen, <laughs> Jen, Jen, Jen has been my manager many times in life. Uh, so uh, first of all, I want to say welcome because step one is greeting. So <laughs> welcome to Mage the Ascent of the Victorian Era. I'm Kelly. I'm the storyteller. I use he and him pronouns. And tonight uh, I am going to be running us through this. I'm also going to be enjoying uh, the oldest soda that is still in existence in diet form because it, you know covid calories um but yeah i did a bunch of research on soda pop for this as well so dr pepper predates coke suck on that uh coke <laughs> not sponsored um so uh with that i'm gonna go through just i'm gonna go through the list as we have them here and what i want you to do is introduce yourself who you are what you do and we'll get to your characters in a bit so i'm gonna start off with christine okay well, hello, I'm Christine. Um, I use she, her pronouns. I stream in a lot of stuff on Dork Tales. And I have my own channel um, where I play Guild Wars. Nice. I don't know. What else do you want us to say about ourselves? We didn't really prep for this. Uh, well, you're not prepping for anything. We're, we're doing it live. We're going in raw. Um, uh, well, first off, let's You can catch me on such things as Shards of Nern and Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. There we go. Uh, <laughs> Rain of uh, Memories. All right, Amy. Hi, I'm Amy. I use she, her, or they, them pronouns. 
And yeah, I um, stream on Dork Tales a lot uh, in various games, such as Reign of Emery's, uh, Werewolf, The Bitches of Brewery Park, um, uh, The Shards of Nern, and also I stream on my own channel, um, which is Paradoxical Ghoul here on Twitch. I variety stream the, some Guild Wars 2, some other stuff, that most recently Final Fantasy 15. And yeah, that's, that's me. Nice. Uh, I'm going to snake around and uh, have Jen go next. Sure. Yeah. Hi, I'm Jen. And uh, I don't stream a ton on Dork Tales, mostly because I'm just, I I'm busy. Um, and an but, introvert. <laughs> and an introvert. And streaming is very uh, tiring for me. Um, but I love Mage, so that's why I came back for this. Uh, carrot. Yes. Come <laughs> A little bit, yeah. But uh, I have been in uh, Bitches of Brewery Park uh, as well, and a couple of the one-shots through Extra Life and, and stuff like that. So Fantastic. And finally, the um, uh, one of the uh, more prominent members on the channel as well, but our mage baby, uh, is <laughs> Robin. Hi, Robin. Hello, everyone. Yes, uh, uh, I am going in very raw to this uh, tonight. <laughs> um and all you, all you people that are may have found Dorktales through D and D and have never really watched or know how to play World of Darkness, you're gonna learn with me because this is all new with me too. So hey, we can learn together because this is gonna be great. I'm super excited about it. But uh, yeah, um, I am Robin. I use she they pronouns, and uh, you can find me on shows such as uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, Reign of Emery's, Ghost of Salt Marsh. You're in, you're in like all but two games, so it's. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I weaseled my way in. It's great. It's I love great. weasels. They're great. Um, and you okay, can find so... me at Second Gen Gamer on Twitch as well. Nice. All right. So that's the who we are and what do we do. And uh, creeping so... the beginning of my streams sometimes too. This is true. Yeah. Just to okay. call out Amy. Yeah. So rogue uh, stealth. If you've never heard of Mage the Ascension, it is. Uh, Without a doubt, probably my favorite role-playing game of all time. I've played a lot of role-playing games, uh, starting... Actually, Mage was the first campaign that I ever played. Uh, we call them Chronicles in the World of Darkness because it sounds fancier. Uh, and uh, it, it was the first one that I ever played, uh, aside from like a pair of Shadowrun games that really were weird. Um, it's the, But it's the first ongoing thing I ever played, and was the first thing that I ever ran is a, as a live-action game, really. Um, I've, I've played it for about 20 years now. Um, and uh, I have a deep and abiding love for it. But that doesn't tell you anything about what the game is. So um, Mage of the Ascension is a game set in the world of darkness, which is a world very similar to ours, although darker, one might uh, expect. Uh, everything that you think about our world, every fear that you have in the corner of your minds, every bump in the night, every shadow that moves when you're walking down a deserted street might have something in it in this world. In this world, the supernatural is real, but they stay hidden from the eyes and minds of humanity. For what better way to be a wolf among the sheep than for the sheep to not know you exist? Uh, it, Mage is the most human of all the World of Darkness games. You've probably heard of games like Vampire the Masquerade, also set in the same world. Werewolf the Apocalypse, also set in the same world. A number are. Mage the Ascension is a game about people. It's about people and what they believe. In Mage, our characters are going to be playing people who have experienced a phenomenon called the Awakening. The Awakening is a moment that jars something inside of their psyche or soul awake. 
to the possibility of infinite reality. Of course, human minds are pretty fragile. So when you do this, when a person undergoes an awakening, either through stress or epiphany, um, not dissimilar to the way that mutant powers come about inside of the X-Men comics, for a quick touchstone, humans are really bad at thinking that they can do anything they put their minds to. In fact, any time that I've ever had someone tell me that in real life, be it a parent, be it a guidance counselor, I have not believed it. And I doubt many of you have as well. Now, when someone said that I could be very good at something, or I could be an A student, or a good dungeon master, I believe that. I'll funnel that belief that I can do anything through small, selective practices, like being the best Tetris player. Humans inside of Mage are no different. That brief epiphany that the universe is malleable to one's will gets funneled through a belief system. Some people find religion. They believe that their prayers can heal the sick. Others find science and realize that they have found ways to change reality and uh, through, through new and exciting technology that only they can get to work for some reason. Others uh, call upon ancient traditions, old gods and spirits that uh, much of, um, of the Western world has pushed away. Um, or perhaps they find the old ways of hermeticism and wizardry. Or maybe you just need to do kung fu hard enough to punch through a solid steel wall. Mages are people who believe something so strongly, according to their rigorous belief system, their paradigm, that they can make the impossible possible. And the best part about mage is that while there are a few members of the world who are awakened, the majority of the world still remains in a dormant slumber. There are a few thousand mages on the planet. Maybe more, maybe less. There are seven billion not mages. We call them sleepers, for the thing inside of them that would allow them to control the universe is sleeping, not absent. And even in that sleeping state, their instinctive, inherent beliefs form reality as we know it. Something called consensual reality. At a subconscious level, everyone believes that planes can fly, toasters toast bread, probably usually too much, and uh, that gravity works, and that uh, for the time being that the world is round. We're, we kind of are working against that one right now. But... Um, and uh, when you have 7 billion people with a fraction of the power of the awakened that say, hey, dragons don't exist, probably, and you can't probably shoot fire out of your fingers without a flamethrower, uh, and you do it in front of them, there's something called uh, a paradox, because you just did something you can't do. Uh, and 7 billion sleeping souls say... Excuse me? And bad things happen to you. Um, so, uh, Mage is a game where you can do everything you want, but you gotta be sneaky about it. Mages are much more likely to do things like win scratcher tickets, or dodge a bullet at just the right moment, or, oh, it's just a flesh wound, or um, maybe they don't throw a fireball, but oof, one, one Zippo lighter? Isn't it just lucky that gas main was broken? Coincidental effects to change reality, avoid paradox, and survive to another day. 
The last thing that you need to know about Mage the Ascension is that it is a war about ideological differences. A few hundred years ago, magic was rampant. Everyone um, lived under the yoke of powerful wizards who could do whatever they want. Our myths are full of such horrible beings. And if you take their word for it, a group of heroes arose who decided that perhaps wizards and mages and mystics did not need to have this much control over the world. Perhaps they should um, return some power to the people. And so they did so through incremental spells that were given out to people in formula, simple, repeatable steps that if you did them every time would usually produce the same effects. Rub two sticks together, dry, and uh, you might create a spark. Mix these uh, components and you'll create cement. And so a group of, ma of mages that would become known as the Order of Reason began to give science to everyone. It, did, it wasn't a bad idea at first. But then skip ahead a few hundred years, and in the Victorian era, this group, the Order of Reason, which had banded together all sorts of scientists, alchemists, and um, diplomats and politicians and spies, reforged themselves under Queen Victoria's reign into something called the Technocratic Union. Now, according to Mage the Ascension Canon, what's known as the Ascension War between the technocracy, the Technocratic Union, the purveyors of science and order, uh, think the men in black, think um, uh, the Umbrella Corporation, think everyone who marches forward with progress technology and slick-ass business suits versus the guys at the tarot shop, the heads at the bong shop, the sketchy martial arts dojo and that weird acupuncture place in the dead mall. All of those memes and chakra readings and the wizards with the crystals at the Renaissance shop in that old part of downtown. An ideological war between those who believe that magic should survive and persist versus the people who can give you a polio vaccine and a flight from New York to Sydney, Australia in under 12 hours. Is it a wonder in the modern era of Mage the Ascension who might be winning that war? It's up for debate. Mage 20 is kind of shaking it up a bit, which is the 20th edition. Uh, and uh, we are not in that era yet. So right now, uh, this game is going to be playing with the Traditions, who are the de facto good guys from the setting. Although every Technocracy fan is going to be calling me uh, a liar right now. Um, um, the NWO no for life. NWO no. Syndicate is Windicate. <laughs> We have so many memes. We played uh, Technocracy LARP for three years, to just straight, just Technocracy. My right. very first LARP World Darkness role-playing character was an NWO agent. And I love her so much. Uh, and, she was uh, very cool. Someone in there mentioned The Order. The Order is a great touchstone for, for several mage shows. It's pretty great. Um, so um, some things that you need to know. Uh, so politics, ethic, morality, and what mage means to me is what I have on this list. So that's what mage is as a game, okay? Uh, I believe that the ethics of Mage the Ascension are that you can do anything and that this game is a very humanistic game. It's about being more human 
unless human, I guess, at the same time, than everyone else. It is about feeling things more acutely, seeing things and going places with that human sense of adventure and excitement. Okay? I want to explore that. There are some things that I do historically to my rules in this game that if you're a longtime Mage the Ascension fan, you may not like. Um, uh, to gain more power as a mage, you undergo vision quests called Seekings, for example. Uh, in the core, you're looking more for secrets about magic. I reroute that into secrets about yourself. You're learning about yourself as a person and how you connect to the universe. Uh, I like to keep it a little more metaphysical and a little more personal and introspective. Mage is a lot more about getting getting in touch with who you are in the grand scheme of things than what your magic is, in my opinion. Uh, but, hey, Mage is a game about belief, so I'm not going to tell you what to think one way or another. That's just what we're going to do here. Uh, morality, uh, I think that Mage is also a game about doing everything that you can to help other people. Um but also trying to learn the limits of what that means. Uh, one of the things I always ask my players is, one of you has a child, for example. You know, you have a, say you have a son, okay? Uh, say you have a child, actually, let's not even bother gendering that. Say you have a six-year-old kid, and they fall out of a tree that you told them not to climb and break their arm. They're not hurt badly, they just broke their arm. You have the power to heal them with a touch. Do you? What is the right answer? There is no right answer in my opinion, but that broken arm is a valuable lesson. It's going to hurt and it's going to take a while to heal. And they're not going to forget the time they fell out of that tree. But you're not always going to be there to heal that. What do you do? And this is the kind of question that Mage is about. Uh, Mage is a deeply personal game for me and I love it to death and will continue to love it uh, for many, many years to come. Uh, so it is a deeply personal game, and I love it very much, and I hope that you will love it through the lens that I put out there. Apparently, um, I've been dragging Jen on these adventures for like 15 years now, so I must be doing something right, because she's picky. Uh, <laughs> so You're so picky. You're so picky. But I was like, you're like, oh, I'm really busy. And I'm like, I might run mage. And you're like, all clear a night. You get, you get one night a week. That's the most I can do. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, that is what mage means to me. And that is what we're going to be doing um, when we uh, talk about this. And um, with that, I want to talk about the characters because we are actually going to be starting back in the Victorian era. Uh, we are not pinning it down when this is. It is sometime between uh, seven, 17, uh, 19, 18, uh, sometime between 1893 and 1897. Um because I haven't decided and I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx it. So, um, yeah, I think I had something about the timeline here and it was, oh yeah, that's on, on historical accuracy. That's point 10. So, uh, let's go ahead and meet the characters. Let's jump to that so you can meet everybody and see what we're doing. Uh, so who wants to go first? I'd like you all to give a rough pitch about your character and tell me like a really brief bit about what your tradition. So a, a mage's tradition is their belief structure and the organization that they belong to. Um, I broke them down. Basically your belief system, like I'm a Kung Fu artist i'm like i'm a i can meditate under waterfalls and dodge bullets and i'm keanu reeves and you are breathtaking um that would probably be a member of the acacia brotherhood or akashiana depending on which version you're using we don't have one of those as far as i know uh but who wants to go a little bit and uh talk about themselves 
Sure. <laughs> okay, Christine, tell me uh, you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be a fun one because this is the Victorian era and so, your tra- your tradition doesn't exist yet. I am playing yet. Evelyn Taylor, and I am an Electrodyne engineer, which will become at some point the Society of Ether. However, the technocracy hasn't pissed us off enough yet to leave. Um, so I'm gonna be one of those forerunners of becoming the Society of Ether because. Um, Shit happens, and I'm not happy about it. Yep. But uh, Evelyn is a very curious mind and enjoys science and reason and learning stuff. Um, so she is a scientist, and that is how her magic works. It's not magic, it's science. Uh, the Electrodyne engineers are fondly known sometimes as mad scientists. Um, Doc Brown would probably be a Society of Ether member. <laughs> 100%. I think that he is one of the main touchstones from those early books, especially um, the hair. Yeah, so I'm really excited because Victorian era, and I am a historian specifically of the British area, specifically the 17th long 18th century. So going right into the Victorian era and pseudoscience was rife. There was so many things and it's so, there's so much ability to be creative in this moment of how my magic works as Evelyn. Um, so I am honestly on a couple university websites looking up articles that I have access to, <laughs> um, finding Victorian articles on science and stuff like that, stuff I can look at and try and get some ideas from. Look at Thomas I'm Edison. You still got that right behind you. The, the elephant thing alone is, yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, that's, and the site of Ether believes in, of course, capital S, science. Oh, yeah. Uh, why are you excited to play her? Um... Just, I think there's going to be a lot of ability to be interesting. Um, if you, if any of you have seen the show The Nevers, I've only watched the first episode, but my character is slightly based on the idea of, I believe, what was their name? Prudence? Yeah, Prudence. The, uh, the engineer. Um, who's kind of the mad scientist engineer in that one. Um, so it's a bit of that flavor. Um, I'm interested in playing it because I do slightly methodically look at okay what did i play last time oh physicals heavy not doing that this time um so i've done kind of a physicals heavy in a technocracy game um i've done a more socials heavy in a changeling game and that sort of thing so this time i'm going more of a mentals heavy and but more of a social secondary so instead of being like kick-ass smart Laura Croft type, I'm going to be smart and charming and charismatic. Not necessarily really good at physicals, but that's what my, my inventions are for. It's true. Um, do you want to come back? I want to ask you a, a question about a couple of connected NPCs that you have, just so that I have their sure. names down correctly. Um, did you have your husband's name? Because you're a good uh, Victorian woman, so of course you're married. Yes, I am married. Um, one moment, let me just pull up my survey because it is in there. Cool. To a, and I, I make all of my players for Mage Games f- complete a. Uh, this one was short. It was only eight pages. Of Before questions. you put answers in, yeah, yeah. Or, oh, yeah. That, yeah. Well, it used to be twelve from yes. the LARPs. So, um, <laughs> uh, Morgan, uh, James Morgan, I believe. James Morgan. Okay. And uh, did yes, you have a James name Morgan. for the mentor you are defecting with? No, I was leaving a lot of that descriptive up to you because I think. 
honestly, you'll come up with something way more interesting than I will. Cool. I will have to do research. And, um, I and was because I don't know this person yet. Yeah, I, I kind of figured like I'm getting what I'm gonna get because mm-hmm. I can't afford to be picky at this point. This I am re- running from the technocracy. This is really true. So um, I am that- defecting. So, um, so I'm gonna have to do some research to make sure that I get the name scheme right and then figure out whether or not he's from the Americas or he is uh, French. I don't know if I can pull off the French accent. It's one of my weaknesses as 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 an actor um, because if I'm going around saying that I speak with a French accent. I will sound like Pepe Le Pew. <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, I think we went with, I paid for an interesting and eccentric, eccentric and good, like, mentor. So not, like, a really present one, but very interesting. Yeah. Uh, so I've got some good ideas there. Uh, and then, was there anybody but else? She's, like, she's 21, so she's still quite mm-hmm. young. She hasn't had a ton of world experience beyond... I mean, what would have been common for the day and age, which 21 was quite old. 21 was quite so, old. And uh, were, that's why I asked you all play very young women, because yeah. um, it is not a great era. We're going to touch on the whole woman thing in a bit, by the way, and why that we're taking some liberties with his- history on this, because, hey, I want this to be fun. Oh, yeah. and hello, Raid. And also, hello, on- the Onyx Path. Good to have you in the chat there, guys. Yes. Uh, it's oh, so good. Great. Who's rating us? Oh, it's Table Down Top. Or da- Table Down Tabletop. Top Down Tabletop? Top down tabletop. Sorry, my chat keeps moving and I can't read it. Um, okay. Yeah, so we're uh, definitely going to play with some of the um, paternalistic sort of uh, themes in Why Evelyn Leaves. Sounds good. On, so. Um, so I've got some good stuff for you. Uh, I'm super excited for episode one. Uh, and episode two is going to have content warnings out the wazoo, but it's going <gasps> to be fantastic. I'm going to have to psych myself up or something before this it's true uh so i think in order of making it easy to understand for the chat i'm gonna ask jen can you go first uh after after christine so christine is a mad scientist uh kind of like a thomas edison or a tesla you are more tesla i think more tesla uh so i will be playing uh josephine carrington or uh let me actually get this right here Okay. Josephine Azure Benedict Evans Hazel Carrington Benny Tharsis, daughter of Concordia, mistress of the Arcturus, in Caligni Abditus, Kodairu Zaremot Aseut Bo. Which is, of course, her hermetic true name Ooh. because boom! <laughs> I like that you managed to just whew, get that right off. And there's a yeah. hermetic fan watching this who is squeeing right now. They're just like. <laughs> so uh, tell me, I didn't write any, I wrote Josephine. Ooh. Yeah, that's okay. fair. Uh, <laughs> she goes by Josephine, so that's okay. fine. Um, so Josephine, uh, just kind of almost the complete opposite of Evelyn, actually, because Josephine, Josephine was born in Concordia, which is the main city of Horizon, which is a realm separate from Earth that was created by tradition mages. Yeah. Um, as it's, a stronghold. It's Narnia. It's Narnia. But yeah. with more Kung Fu and... Arabic yeah. mysticism and yeah. and all mixed together more or less um, so it's it's also a place where magic is just a part of everyday life mm-hmm. um, and she's a uh, kind of a weather mage but from House Tharsis which is from the Order of Hermes um, and so she deals primarily in forces magic um, she's I'm hoping to come across as a bit overconfident and naive, but she's come to Earth to kind of find her fortune and uh, she yearns for adventure. Um, she's also kind of in her early 20s there, and uh, but hasn't really 
like left home yet. So this is her first time leaving home. So you're a stranger in a strange land. Yes. Yes, uh, I am. And uh, so the Order of Hermes are traditional wizards, for those of you who yes. don't know. They study high high formula, alchemy, uh, everything. They, they call down seals of Solomon. They bind angels into swords. Um, if, you've, if you've ever seen Lord of the Rings, Fellowship of the Ring, Gandalf on the Bridge is the best hermetic example that I've seen in a movie in a long time. He goes through his title yeah. just like Jen just did. <laughs> Flame of Order, it's so good. But that's the kind of <laughs> stuff that she's going to be doing. Um, yeah. Why are you excited to play her? Um, well, one of the things I'm excited about is, so first of all, I played a lot of Mage with you pretty much entirely, um, <laughs> which uh, I've just always, I've fallen in love with it much like you have. And um, But because of that, I also really wanted to play something different this time because I've played a lot of different things. And so being in the Victorian age kind of opened up a bunch of options. I get to be from Horizon, which I've never been able to engage with no one ever beforehand. runs anything in there because it's uh but in the current continuity oh, okay so in the continuity that i grew up with before uh mage 20 kind of shook it all up a bit um horizon's gone like it the technocracy blew it up like it's it's blown up and gone before you start playing the game this isn't a spoiler this is just backstory uh, so it's never existed for us in our games before i think you guys went there well it's mostly dead uh you guys went there once in the game before you started playing with me actually so you no one's been there out of this group mm -hmm. um so yeah. you get to go there and you get to meet some of the famous people you could hang out and get drinks with vormos uh, yes he's great <laughs> at this point he's barely evil right um, barely yeah it's barely an inconvenience really yeah so because i get to you know do some stuff with horizon which i've never had to do or done before um I want, I actually came up with the concept, uh, it shifted since then, but my original concept was like pirate queen type character. Um, and that was before I realized there was an actual hermetic house that dealt with that. Um, that vanishes 10 years after the start of the game, like 1901, doesn't it? Or something like that? 1897, end of oh, the Victorian okay, that, era. Oh yeah, that's why <laughs> I have it set in those four years. I wonder why. So who knows if, you know, the whole disappearance and the hunting down for demonic worship part will actually show up in game, but it's possible. It's fine. Maybe it's all your fault. Why would yeah. that show up? Right? Who knows? Um, but uh, because it vanishes it in 1897, um, House Tharsis is not uh, in the new, in the later books, and um, there's actually no real information on it except for when it started, when it ended, and um, the fact that they mostly dealt with weather magic and therefore were very big during like the age of piracy. So there were a lot of pirates, a lot of sailors, that sort of group of people. Mm -hmm. um, and so I get to play someone that's a, tr a tradition that I absolutely love. I love the Hermetics, they're my favorite. Um, <laughs> but in a different flavor um, of, of things and it's just really fun and exciting for me so. no nobody has a magic wand up their ass quite like the hermetics they're so great nope um i <laughs> love that in the larp version of this you have to take a point of condescending like an, as a negative trait you have to be condescending if you play a hermetic just just a little just 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 at least once per night you have to be like <laughs> it's so good yeah i love them um okay so uh do you have any ideas for your mentor because i still am browsing the surveys um, right now so 
Yeah, so I don't uh, I don't actually have points in mentor, mm-hmm. um, but I do have my my teacher um, who inducted me into the Hermetics, um, and his name is uh, Ignatius Schmidt Benny Thursis. Um, and then I do have a patron on Earth um, who I we hadn't really talked much about um, because I needed somebody kind of on Earth to help me get acclimated and settled mm. and all that because I am an unmarried woman. It's true because uh, I'm from Concordia because we don't fucking care. <laughs> uh, um, I, I have a pitch yeah. for you for this gentleman. Sure. Yeah. Paul Giamatti. That is my pitch. Okay. I want him to be played in my head by Paul Giamatti uh, sure. in every movie where he has ever been frustrated and bearded. Yeah, okay. Be- because we just watched a movie, uh, we just watched Gunpowder Milkshake the other night, and he's in that, and he's frustrated and bearded in a suit, and I'm like, that's Jen's guy right there. <laughs> because Fair, he, sure. he's, a, he's a nice guy, but also a complete dickhead. And nothing says... Uh, a good Victorian contact, like a dickhead who is also potentially a good person. Uh, with that, um, what's a good name? What do you What do you want to name him? Um, I I did come up with a name if you yeah, like it. Um, let's hear it. Clifford Hackenberg. Oh, God, that's Paul Giamatti. Right. Hackenberg. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to write that. I'm going to spell that wrong. But uh, Clifford Hackenberg is going to be there. He's going to be played by Paul Giamatti in the film. And um, uh, that is going to be fantastic. Uh, Also, if you are looking for places that you can pick up a copy of Mage the Ascension, if this game sounds to your liking, uh, you can definitely find everything on Storyteller's Vault, uh, which is um, a part of DriveThruRPG. And also, there are a number of Mage the Ascension Kickstarters uh, that have been going recently that you might be able to get on some of the back end stuff but Storyteller's Vault is fantastic and also if you search Kelly Clark you will find all of the books I've written which hey buy them uh, they're more about vampires but I'm gonna start doing mage stuff when I stop writing about vampires which is in like three more books um, so yeah buy my book uh, is there anything else that you want to talk about her with um, I guess the other kind of NPC that's really connected to me is my is my Dotson rival oh uh, yeah um, i love rivals but, yeah so i have a, a rival from from concordia mm-hmm. um who is mad that i got his spot in the host in oh, host Tharsis. Okay. Uh, <laughs> right, um and i named him yeah. i named him alvin quail alvin alvin quail okay i'm yeah. just making sure that it was spelled like alvin simon theodore uh quail yeah, yeah. and i i wasn't sure, but I, I threw him in uh, Bonus Agus. Um, oh, he's in Bonus Agus? Oh, God. Let's hope he doesn't challenge you to Sertiman because they have right? some distinct advantages there. <laughs> right? I, I figured, you know... Oh, my God. I, someone... I was going to put him in, in Ex Miscellanea, but I was like, that seems too reasonable. <laughs> Got to make it. Got to make it interesting, right? Uh, someone just actually recognized my name from my book publishing, so that's <laughs> fun. That nice uh, Onyx Path. Uh, feel free to drop links in the chat. I believe you have approval to do so. Uh, if not, uh, you can um, send me a PM and I'll do it. Um, all right, and add me as a friend. You know, maybe we'll hang out. Um, so. Uh, 
All right. Let's go to the, uh, it's really funny because we're finishing with Robin because she, she wants to go last because she's the new one. Um, hers is actually really easy to understand. Now let's go to Amy. I don't know where to start. Okay. So um, Amy, Amy, so, what yes, is, so hi. what's your character's name? Chastity Prudence Goodwin. Sounds good. Uh, yeah. where is she from geographically? Um, Boston Bay area? A little bit further out, like a little closer yeah. to Salem, somewhere oh, around there? Just in the outskirts of it, not quite Salem, but nearby. Was, when you grew up, was there any strange or unusual event that occurred involving, like, ergot poisoning? What? I don't know. I mean, it, she's a good Puritan girl. I don't know. A, a, sorry, a good what? Puritan girl. When are you from again? How um, old are you? Ni- <laughs> 1960-something? Ni- 1960? Yeah, that's when we said this, isn't it? 18, 16, 90 something? I can't words. <laughs> I was like, so you're from, 19, si- this 16, is from the, 16? Ni- this is, it's 2021 Wait. right now. Subtract. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, what year are we saying this in? Victoria Dairy. That's, that's the six, 16 something? Yes. Uh, so Amy. Totally, right? Uh, uh, so Chastity is a bit out of time. <laughs> um, <laughs> so. Oh. Uh, just a tiny bit. So you are playing someone who originally began life as a Puritan girl during the witch burnings. Uh, yes. And through a series of events, which we will not share here because I oh. might do part of it on camera. Uh, within, I'll warn you in advance because I know what involves some of that and some yeah. of it's content warningable. Yeah. Um, uh, you uh, had a bad run in with some witch uh, hunters yeah. and uh, woke up in the Victorian era. Yeah, it was only like 1879, It's been a couple years. It's been a couple it's, years. She's had to adapt very quickly, but thankfully, um, she was um, picked up by her mentor, who is no dots, just mm-hmm. story background stuff. Um, the Celestial your, Chorus. Oh, in the Celestial Chorus. Okay. Yes. I know. I noticed that you have the symbol for the cult of ecstasy up in your in your cameo, though. What what up? Um. Well, that would be dual tradition. Okay. Yeah, she's she's shifting gears a little bit. She's found that maybe celestial chorus is great and all that, and um, she, her faith is very strong because she is a good Puritan girl, but also. She's had her eyes open to other ways of enacting magic and interacting with the world. So, yeah. Cult of Ecstasy is what okay. she else does on the side, you know, kind of kind of crossing the wires there. It's a natural crossover, I Fair. think. Fair. So, uh, I'm going to leave the Cult of Ecstasy logo up there though so it doesn't get too cramped because that's your primary. Because what do you do for a living? You're a you're a nice you're a nice girl, so I'm assuming that you're probably like a school teacher or perhaps a well, nanny. Well, she was taught well, she was taught by the, um, she was like, she went, did her schooling through the church. And then, um, one of her classmates, um, hired, once she was done with her schooling, hired her on as her lady's companion so that she could go and, um, have a chaperone when she went out and did activities in the daytime or evening, etc. Um, and in interacting with high society, well, or just society in general. So in, on the side, she, um, does work as... Do you want me to say it? As a tutor? As a... Not um, quite. Okay. There's probably some of that, maybe. As as a as a delivery girl? <laughs> Not quite. 
Do you want me to do you want me to say it or do you want to say it? I can say it. No. Um. Currently, my concept listed here is time travel, a uh, Victorian dominatrix. <laughs> yes, because Hellfire clubs and S and M clubs were actually quite huge in the Victorian era, and that's where we're going with this. Uh, because hey, you can't get blood from a stone, but you can squeeze quintessence out of somebody who's bound and gagged. And the safe word is pineapple. <laughs> also, Google pineapples in the Victorian era for a great story. Um, so, questions. Uh, so your character, obviously, <laughs> I was going to ask, why are you excited to play this character? But there's nothing about this character that doesn't sound fun. Also, the name Chastity Prudence Goodwin, who is... <laughs> I'm going to be trying not to laugh the entire time. Having a straight face, this is going to be tough. It is. Uh, what's, your, what's your mentor? What's your mentor's name? Um, my mentor for the uh, celestial chorus is Sister Agatha. Okay, and, and uh, uh, one of the people that and your friend. Uh, yep. So the person who I'm hired as the lady's companion, not to be mm. confused with a maid or a lady in waiting, that is something nope. else. Yep. Very different. No, um, I am paid and live with the family and get to like hang out and go do stuff with the family. Mm. It's nice. Yeah. Um, I had, my employer is Amelia Sutcliffe and um, my cult of ecstasy contact, I believe we said, we didn't have a first name, but was uh, we know him as Mr. Dashwood. Mr. Dashwood. Uh, and we decided, so, and we're, we're sure that he is cult of ecstasy, right? I think that's what we agreed Do we want on. him to be cult of ecstasy or a Kashuk brother? Because uh, he is going to be tagging along with you for many adventures. Mm -hmm. And he is a cross between uh, Heath Ledger, the Marquis de Sade, and uh, uh, Danny Rand. Um, but really... I don't know. I don't know. Um, you know, he, he can still have a little bit of kung fu and be a, a an ecstatic. Mm -hmm. No one says that you can't. Uh, so, I'm excited for this character. I, I don't even know how I'm going to play this. Um, I've got, I pulled out a, a book that belonged to my great grandfather, which is like old, pr like prayers and Bible reference stuff. That's like from the night or like early, late 1800s. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, reference material on one pile, Googling Hellfire Clubs, more reference material. Hey, the Dashwood name is long and proud in the Hellfire circuit, if you Google that. Yes. Uh, we, we've done a surprising yes. amount of research for this game. Uh, Mage makes you do that. Uh, what do you think <laughs> of the name Percy Dashwood? Yeah. What do you, what do you think of the name... Uh, let's figure Who this out. Who was another one we were looking at, though, too? There what was Franklin was it? Dashwood, but I don't want him to be called Frank. Bar Bartholomew Dashwood? Or Hugo Dashwood. Now, Hugo everyone, Dashwood? everyone can weigh on on this, because he's going to be traveling with you guys for a while yeah. when the story right. starts. So, um, what, Percy Dashwood isn't bad. It doesn't feel quite right, though. Virgil, da Victor Dashwood. None of these are good. Uh, mm. Simon, Sidney, Sterling. Just it makes me think he's just Archer, which he basically is. But let's not. Phineas um, Dashwood, Finn Dash. Ludo. Right. Um, so like Otis, Oscar, Otto. Um, anyway, keep keep going. If uh, feel free to post in the chat if you have any good ideas yeah. for Mr. Dashwood's name. Uh, just yeah. think that he kind of looks like Heath Ledger, but with like a pointier jaw. Hmm. Um. Hmm. Damien okay. Alistair. So just pop them in the chat. Like, jot them down. <laughs> Wink. Guybrush Dashwood. Th thank you. Uh, Ludwig Dash. All right. So we're going to keep going Wink. over. Uh, so I just don't want it to be like Frank Dashwood. That just sounds like he'd be your... Hey, okay. That, that, that sounds like Paul Giamatti's character is Frank Dashwood. Right? <laughs> 
Elliot? Elliot Dashwood. So, like, some good ideas. Um, all right. So, uh, what we are going to do next is head over to Robin. Now, Robin, if you have any <laughs> questions, uh, let me know because you're brand new to Mage. I know you've been stressed about this because you're like, you've heard these stories and it's got a big expectation. But. <laughs> yep. The best games and best players in Mage the Ascension are often the new people. And that is not because they went out and broke a leg trying to reach those heights. It's because they bring insights that people who are used to the game do not. So, there's a lot more going for you than you think. So, first off, tell me who you're playing. Okay, um, so I am playing uh, Darcy Harkness. Uh, Darcy Olivia Harkness is her full name. Uh, she's just a wee Irish lass uh, from a... I, forget, I wrote down the town because, again... Uh, uh, she was. She lives in uh, a few miles outside of Bantry, Ireland, um, which is a small farming community. She she grew up on a dairy farm um, with her with her adopted family. Um, that was more New Zealand. I'm, I'm working on the accent. It will be better yeah, for I, Irish. Is, Irish can be hard one at times. It is. Uh, I, I I've been listening to Dairy Girls or uh, watching it to get to try and nail down that accent. Nice. So, uh, um, but yeah, she is a um, she is. 18 uh, years old and she um, she grew up with her kind of adopted family and she's just a sweet sweet little girl that um, she has a a little cat that she grew up with that she rescued when it was injured by uh, livestock and she's she's just a, she's just a sweet little girl um, who uh, is uh, in the uh, not cult of ecstasy that's Amy's character uh, she's uh, in the verbena. Okay, and uh, the verbena, uh, verbena, verbena, uh, depending on your pronunciation there, um, it's pretty pretty variable, to be honest. Uh, believe in, uh, what, do you want to take it, or do you want me to take it? I can do it. They um, they are, if you were going to equivalent, equivalent, maybe you should take it, because words are doing well tonight. <laughs> what, what are um, they? What are they? If you had to point they... a finger at them and light them on fire, what would you say before you did it? Yeah, a witch. <laughs> yeah, they're witches. They're witches. Yeah. So uh, they they should have gone after Robin. They went after Amy instead. Um, so they're traditional uh, traditional pagans, basically. They do witchcraft. They do worship the old gods. Uh, everything from uh, I mean, the really quick Western ones would be traditional uh, Wicca, uh, uh, Norse witchcraft and uh, and belief. Or I mean, honestly there are a lot of beliefs that would function into it. So long as you believe in the power of the old gods and blood magic and all that fun stuff. Um, yeah. Yeah. So why are you excited to play her? Um, well, I'm excited to play her uh, just because it's something completely different than what I've I've done for any like D&D thing. This is something completely new for me and uh, I remember when you were first telling me about creating this 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 character. You're like, create a person, and that's the first time I've ever put much thought that much thought into this character. Where like I feel very connected to her, and I still have yet to actually meet her in person yet, but I still feel very connected to her. Like, and I was I this was crazy. Uh, I was out walking along the ocean side. 
and I was listening to a soundtrack that Kelly was like, oh, this is giving me the vibes for this era. And it was like slightly story. And all of a sudden Darcy came and she was talking to me like, and it just, it, it, that's when I started building this character. I was stressing out about building her because nothing was coming in. And I had no inspiration. I was like freaking out because I was hearing all my other compatriots here talk about their things. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. And all of a sudden Darcy came and she spoke to me and I was like, this is weird and I like it. So it's just, I'm Mage excited. does that. Yeah, yeah. 100%. It, it, you were talking to your avatar. It's it's inside of you right now, unless you took a merit. Then it's outside of you right now and getting coffee or making coffee if it's a nice one. Um, <laughs> but we'll discuss that later. Um, so uh, you have a mentor that's going to pick you up right at the beginning of game because we're going to start in Meteor Res. Uh, what's her name? Oh, and the chat suggested McLovin Dashwood. I think that is the winner, really. Um, if not, I if like, not, I liked all the Dash Dashwood. Oh yeah, Dashwood <laughs> Dashwood. Dash dash yeah. yeah, it just watch out. It's 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 Morse code Dashwood. Oh, Morris is actually not bad. I'll write that down. Um, uh, so, uh, what's what's your mentor's name? I'm gonna get that um, down. Yeah, it it was we we. We no, let me scroll down to. The, oh yes, the, please the, spell it for me because I wrote it down on a on a. Yeah. Um. Okay. Where's the Where's the question about the mentor? There we go. I do it. kind of like the Thaddeus one, Amy. Thaddeus is good. Okay, I'll put Thaddeus that on my. Thaddeus is a bit pretentious. Also, right? Julius Dashwood, or I don't know. I've got a list here that I'll read out as well in just a sec. But um. Uh. So her name was my May Ni Flionin. Okay. So that's uh. So that's. Spell it for me, please. M A I L L E, then L L E, N I with like a weird accent on the I. I'll just put a lightning bolt, okay? Yep. Uh, then F L O I N N. F very old Celtic name. And mine, if known. Yeah. That was it. Don't worry, I'll have to learn how to speak crotchety old woman for this. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. Hello, Potter. Um, because you're basically, your character's concept is basically Harry Potter. You yeah. were raised by, uh, you're kind of like a mix between Harry Potter and Luke Skywalker. Right? Oh, yeah. The, in the first episode, you'd be like, but I, wa but I wanted to go to Tashi Station and get some more cow's milk. <laughs> and they've got the newest issue of Cow Monthly over there. We're in, we're in Ireland. There's not much going on here. No, there's not. <laughs> oh, boy. That's yes, I, I realized I've built my ideal, you know, the, the heroes that I grew up watching. Right, and that's yep. good. Find an easy touchstone when you're starting out. It'll make it easier. Then we can branch off from there. Start then I can branch into people like Amy. <laughs> yeah, then you can be a, a time-traveling dominatrix. Which, which you can yeah. play that. You tell you what, I'll run a Doctor Who game and you can play that, okay? Sounds great. You can even be Michelle Gomez. <laughs> uh, yes, please. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah, I mean, my first character was basically... Um, a CIA agent. Yeah. Actually, she was based off as Elizabeth Keene in The Blacklist. Yeah. From the first few episodes. Mm -hmm. Like, that was the bare... <laughs> that was all the character concept I had to start with the first time. And so for the concept is, again, being the baby of the mage, mage group, is uh, she's also freshly awakened. So it's going to work out when I play that I don't know anything because it's, it's, it's going to work great. If, if she messes up and Robin messes up, it's, you don't know who's messing up. Am I acting or is it real? It'll, it'll be fine. A time bomb. It's both. 
Okay, so uh, I'm gonna hijack the the talk for one sec. Okay, so I've got a short list right here. Okay, so uh, Dashwood, I've got Zachariah, Hugh, Henry, Everett, Edwin, Colin, Benedict, Dean, Morris, Thaddeus, and Theophilius. Um, can I also suggest Ephraim and Eugene? Ephraim and Eugene. Uh, I, I think that no matter what, he's going to have a, a shortened name. So, Zach, I'm going to knock, knock Zachariah off because I don't want him to be Zach Dashwood. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Jackwood, I'm okay, but that's too close to or Dashwood. That's too cl- I already messed it up and thought too- Hugh Jackman. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Hugh like- Jackwood. Okay, so. Hugh Jackwood. How big's your Jack? Your Jackwood? It's pretty huge. Uh, okay. H- Henry Dashwood is just me playing my love to the king of nerds, so I'm going to mark that out. Uh, Everett Dashwood. Nah. Edwin Dashwood. Okay. I don't mind Edwin. Uh, Colin Dashwood, because then it's a Colin Firth nod. No. No? Okay. I don't like it. Uh, Benedict Dashwood, then it's a Sherlock nod. Nah. Nah. Okay. I feel like it's slightly too many syllables to say all together. Yeah. That's fair. Dean yeah. Dashwood is too short. Uh, that was a good one from the chat. Uh, let's see. Then we've got Thaddeus Dashwood. I'm pretty cool with that one. Uh, I honestly got... like the way it flows. Yeah. And then we've got Theophilius. And Again, that's kind of, it's kind of yeah. It's a bit, uh, I, I wanted to give Bracarius in the chat a nod there, so uh, there's your nod, my uh, friend. Uh, Ephraim, Ephraim Dashwood. I kind of like that. So it's so we've, we're down between Edwin, Thaddeus, or Ephraim. So his name would be Eddie, for short, mm-hmm. Thad, or F. I feel like it would still just be Ephraim, or F. I mean, F, if he's our, if, if, if he's our guy. He's he's your guy. He's gonna he's be our guy. He is de- his first scene with you is I've I've choreographed the whole thing mentally. It's gonna be phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> I have a feeling I'm going to have a slight like just it's gonna be Mr. Dashwood. Most of the yeah, time, that's I don't what know you. Like, that's what I've got oh. written down in my entire survey is Mr. Dashwood. <laughs> so that's you know what it's Thaddeus because uh, Bracarius just said that he goes by Ted or Teddy. Yeah, and his name's Teddy. Teddy yeah. Dashwood. Okay, sounds, there we go. Sounds good. Okay. This is this was very important to me. I love it. Was, it. was Thaddeus 2Ds? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. first thing that popped to mind for me when you said Dashwood was, um, of course, Jane Austen. Yeah. Uh, so, for those of you who do not know, the Dashwood family is connected with the foundation of the very first Hellfire Club, which is why I took that name and was like, yoink, mine. <laughs> Corbin Dashwood, multipass. Teddy Dashwood is See, purpose. I said he can't be Rainbow Dashwood. Oh, like he should. Oh, God damn it. That would have been so good. <laughs> I know. Just call him Bo. Bo Dashwood. Bo Dashwood. Bo Regard Dashwood. Oh. Is it Bo Regard Thaddeus Dashwood? It might is that be his Bo name? Regard Thaddeus Dashwood. That sounds very Amrigian to me. <laughs> Beauregard Thaddeus Dashwood. I don't know what he is, so by the way. he's still Teddy Dashwood. He's, until I have the voice ready, he's either American, British, or French, or a, or a hellish combination of the three. Um, well, aren't you looking at a French accent for my mentor, potentially? Yes. Um, well, I know that Teddy owns property in all three countries. In fact, part of the game is going to be about getting to France. Because uh, he has an estate there. It's a small, it's a small estate. It's only a few acres. You know, like twenty, thirty, not very large. I feel like English or American <laughs> would be more common. French but... Korean. That would be a choice for this era. Okay. <laughs> um. 
at least based on a lot of like more common in the okay media sense so that is everybody's characters now we're getting to the part where we discuss what we want out of the game with each other and things so uh, i've already explained the game just to give you all a sense of it so we're going to explain the additions and rules um there are two main rule sets we're going to go with on this one one is mage revised that's what i grew up with it came out in around uh, i believe the publishing was 99 for that one um and it's what i've used for decades uh back in uh back around 2015 uh the final kickstarter for uh mage the ascension 20th anniversary uh came out and um it is a uh, uh, the heftiest damn tome you will ever find. It's about 600 pages long, uh, and it was written by one of the original creators who went back and tried to take three editions of Mage and hundreds of source books and slam them together into a book and please everybody. And I think overall, uh, it's a it's a Herculean effort uh, and probably Sisyphusian as well. Uh, because the index alone is like 30 pages long. So, um, that is one of the things that we're doing here. You know, here's the thing. Um, it's stated many times in this book um, that the the author that put together M20 is not the hugest fan of some of the things they did in Revised. So, uh, in My Baby. So, I have historically been a little rankled about this, but the more I look into M20, the more I see um, the merit of a lot of that is there, even though I disagree with some of the opinions about Mage Revised. Um, some of the rules have been vastly clarified from Mage Revised, and some of them have been completely tossed out. Um, some of the ones that have been tossed out, I really like. We're going to pop them back in because, hey, why not? It's our <laughs> game. Um, this is not a judgment call, and I think you should buy all of the Onyx. Thank you. 696 pages, even bigger than it is. Uh, the Onyx Path is in the chat right now. Is it the biggest book? Because the damn thing can kill most vertebrates if you well, drop specifically- it Specifically... The Onyx Path person is Ian, who had Thank a you, hand in Victorian. Was, What's that? You said at the beginning that he's part. He was part of writing Victorian. Oh, that's yeah. perfect. Like I, I've got my my. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it right there. Um, I still have my copy in the other room, shrink wrapped, uh, which I yes. will be opening for game next week for the first time. I never actually opened it. I just used the PDF. Um, 700 pages because it is 20 years of history and tons of stuff where they say, "Hey, you can use this rule or not." Hey, you can use this plot point or not. Did the technocracy win? Sure. Or not. It's up to you. Because Mage has been through a lot of stuff. The The original one was far more like a heavy metal cover with like, you know, chicks in chain mail riding on dragons through space fighting wizards type of stuff. And then it morphed into this kind of grunge punk resistance fable. And then it became M20, which is this weird hybridization of all of them that manages to really play all of the greatest hits it's it's a hell of a book um and uh it's not the biggest book white will publish that's fair um and from what i have read right now of victorian era because i'm still reading my 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 draft copy uh i'm very excited about it and good work uh, i'm curious to see what you actually wrote whoever's behind the onyx path right now um and uh oh god damn really Oh, yeah, Ptolus was huge. Um, so, um, with that being said, there are two different editions. Um, Mage 20 is what we're going to be using most of the things for, but I have deep love, and this is a personal statement, the quality of M20 is never in question when I choose something in Revised. That's because I love it and because I feel it fits my version of Mage. Is that cool, guys? 
yeah. folks, friends. Okay, yeah. so all, uh, all I have ever known is your version of me because I've only ever played with for, under you. So, uh, and, and they've hyped you up so much that I just want the Kelly experience. So, <laughs> yeah. what do we want out of this game? Uh, we want magic, excitement, adventure. We want a splash of history. We want fun, mm -hmm. and we want to make a great story for people to watch. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Cool. Yeah. Checks out. Uh, it is going to be one part adventure, one part politics, one part horror story. Uh, this is going to be a very dark story at times uh, with glimmers of hope because it is the Victorian era. Cool? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, so, oh, you wrote in Guide to the Traditions. That's so rad. I love Guide to the Traditions. I use that so freaking often. Uh, please tell me that you wrote the, uh, the inverted backgrounds, the uh, adversarial backgrounds portion, because that is probably my favorite, even though it's a little simple twist. It's a little simple rules so tweak. Good. But it so makes good. so much... I, I incorporated it as a mandatory feature in my LARPs yep. because it makes it so much better if you have a rival. It means I always have something to throw at you. Um, okay, so um, first off, uh, in Mage 20th and some of the earlier editions besides Revised, they use a K when they talk about magic being like will-working magic rather than just like, you know, like rabbits out of a hat type of magic. Um, you guys cool if I omit the K just because it saves me on my Twitter word count? I don't care. Okay. I'm probably going to forget to use it anyway. Yeah. Because so. we didn't grow up using it, but hey, the special yeah. K is still there. I'm just the special K. There, there we you go. are. You are the special K I'm in the magic. Special K. <laughs> With Kelly played by Sasha Gray. I'm there for that. I would watch that. <laughs> um, okay, magic and you. Okay, so uh, one of the big things that is different about the two editions, though, is paradox. Okay, so in paradox... Uh, paradox is what happens when you cast magic that goes against consensus. Uh, the Victorian era is going to be a bit looser than modern era to begin with because people believed a lot of crazy stuff. Oh, thank you for showing off the guide to the traditions I loaned you. Um, fantastic. I did earlier and then it went out. Then it made me go out of focus. So I'm like, well, guess I'm showing it again to bring me back into focus. So uh, what I want to do is um, there are two types of paradox we can do. Okay. There is original mage M20 which is uh, when you cast a vulgar effect, that is a magical effect that is paradoxical in nature, that is something that... I have so many geese outside my window. Um, that, that's the paradox. That's the paradox, a pair of geese. <laughs> yeah. Coming for you. No, it's the paradox. Quack. Aflac. My car insurance went up. Um, so in M20, basically, when you cast a, uh, a vulgar effect, you get a point of paradox. It goes off basically when i say it goes off at a dramatic moment you can collect many points of paradox many points is far worse than less points um however it is um you have much more latitude with what you can do because you can afford to mess up a bit more you know extra points of paradox that i mean paradox sounds scary but one point of paradox well let's talk about revised magics for you to understand the context here uh in revised um, every mage has access to their magic comes through a source called spheres. Uh, spheres are spheres of reality, realms that are broken down into things like, ah, yes, forces, uh, which is my control of all universal forces from magnetism to heat and their negation. Uh, and then gravity. things like, yeah, gravity, uh, <laughs> life, which is all living beings and organic tissue mind all conscious and subconscious realms in the astral plane spirit all ephemera and worlds of spirit correspondence which is spatial relations distances teleportation um and you know matter all things made of matter 
There we go. Um, you matter. Yeah. You matter because it's prime time, baby, for life. Um, uh, etc. Right. Um, so, uh, these have a rating of one to five. They govern what you can do with your spheres. I'm not going to go into that right now because there's a lot, lot, it would take more to explain it to you. Uh, I'll do it later. Um, you'll understand as we go too, but basically, uh, whatever power level of an effect you use, uh, if it is vulgar, you gain that many points of paradox and revised. If people see you and uh, they are sleepers, so they're literally able to go, that can't happen, and kind of set off the alarm bells for the rest of reality, um, you get even a more paradox. Uh, usually plus one, but hey, maybe there are five of them. Yeah, it's probably another plus one. Maybe there are 20 of them. And it's probably another plus, maybe three, and it keeps until you explode. Um, so I have never done that. Jen has literally uh, turned into energy and vanished from existence from Paradox. Uh, it was a very sad final moment in a game. Uh, so the question that we have is, do you want a game? Uh, and the, the reason that Revise did this is that it was set in an era where the world was ending and mages were struggling to fight against the technocracy while kind of held down by that kind of Matrix kind of vibe, right? It was very it had a very Matrix feel, even though it came out slightly before the Matrix. Uh, at least Revise did. And um, so there was that whole against the system, struggling, desperation, uh, gutter punk type of World of Darkness, gothic punk horror type of vibe. So desperate magic where big punishment occurs is a big deal. It made sense. But in M20, they wanted to loosen it up a bit and make it a little more hopeful. What do y'all want? You four. I always lean toward revised because I like desperation. Um, but this is the Victorian era. So I don't actually think that it might be that bad. I think one point of paradox, uh, personally, is because I grew up with revised, feels a little too loose. Um, my, my opinion here. So first of all, being from hmm. my character being from horizon i have a different experience of paradox in that i'm not entirely sure it exists um <laughs> that's beyond that's beside the point um but uh i also know that because of uh because the order of reason has not yet um kind of solidified a lot of reality in all the different areas, there's a chance that we go somewhere where, like, Darcy's paradigm is. Um, yeah, if you go to is, rural Ireland, is yeah, it's perfectly legit there, and there wouldn't be, you know, a lot of paradox. So I kind of lean towards it being more more harsh than M20 for sure. Um, I love revised, but I am also a paradox queen, so. <laughs> You know, so I was just told by the Onyx Path because I'm still reading through the book. Um, yeah, the straights thing. The straight. So I want to see what the difference is there because we kind of have slightly. I think it's like kind of the three levels of magic. So elegant is the basically co coincidental, as he said. Uncanny is kind of it's weird but still believable. It's just uncanny. Yeah. Okay. And then catastrophic is just like. What the oh, hell? There's whales in the sky. Okay, and how does that work for paradox? Is that, is that what they call a whale? So is it just a, thing, right? is it just a difficulty break rather than so does paradox does paradox not really show up? Ooh, they ooh I like that. Um, 
uses elegant magic in place of coincidental magic, vulgar magic without witnesses, witnesses uses the straits in place of paradox. Okay, hold on. I'm still... It's it's a, a bare bones PDF copy that I'm looking through because it's still a draft edition, so it's yeah. not. Onyx Path said page one seventy two of the collected manuscript. Okay, cool. I was just to, onto that. Okay, so okay. the way that it works is the straits, uh, reality, but yeah, there's a lot we've had to go through and be, be like, okay, here how it, here how. Here is how it works. Wow, words. Now I'm having trouble with words. Join me. Join it's me. Spreading. <laughs> ah, like a virus. <laughs> um, but here's how things. Oh, I see. So a lot of what you were doing was trying to bring in. For, so what I'm seeing here is that you were trying to bring in stuff from Sorcerer's Crusade and try to hybridize. Mm -hmm. is, is that? Hello? Hello. What? Sorcerer's Crusade? Uh, yes, because you were going to run that. Um, so it looked because like, it says right here that this is using the Scourge or it is replacing the Scourge. Which you remember reading about because you you were reading my copy of Sorcerer's Crusade. Um, in contrast to the gods-driven nature of the scourge or existential terrors of paradox, the straits tend to manifest as elemental phenomena, sickness of the mind and body, or violent forces acting to crush incursion. This kind of feels, and I mean this as an absolute positive, this feels a bit like it's touching on some of the paradox from Mage the Awakening, particularly 2nd edition Mage the Awakening, which was by far the superior Mage the Awakening. First of all, and when the paradox worked in that game, it was it was great. Ooh. Okay. So so I guess we have three options. We can use M20's rules, we can use revised rules, or we can use we can try this straights thing and see how we like it. I'm inclined to try these straights. Okay. Yeah. Try it out. Yeah. Then we'll just run yeah. with that. It's uh, basically it's like say if we were in like Ireland, Robin would be completely fine, but my stuff might very well incur paradox because they're like, what the hell is that? And Get out of the, here with your fancy devices. And here's How? the thing. If we find that through our testing and playing that the straights aren't quite to our liking, um, congratulations, it's 1897. The technocracy now exists and suddenly paradox changes for good, right? Like we do have an out if we want to adjust our, our timeline. Wow, my fist actually cracked when I did that. That was that was pretty great. Um, but I so mean, far, otherwise... I'm fine with like paradox being fairly like tough as long as what's coincidental is a bit easier because it's such a weird time period. I was going to allow that anyway. So my suggestion before I heard about the straights, because like I said, I'm still it's like 200 pages into the book. And I'm I'm still rereading M20 to make sure that I have all my rules in mind, because when you run a game for 20 years, you convince yourself that your house rules were written in the original manuscript where I'm like, yeah. I was flipping through M20 the other day and I'm like, what the hell is this? This rule, this garbage. It was so much better and revised. And then I went and looked at revised and it wasn't even there. And I'm like, I accidentally made that rule up like 15 years ago, didn't I? Because it worked better for my LARP. And Jen's <laughs> yeah. like, yeah, I think you did. And I'm like, oh, damn. Okay, their rule makes sense. Dang it. <laughs> uh, so, um, so straits and territories, I think let's go with that. Okay, so we're going to use Paradox uh, according to that, so Straits and Territories. So we're going to try to run as uh, close to uh, Victorian era as, as written as possible, because it seems like this book is being really lovingly crafted. And... I'm looking forward to seeing what it looks like when it's all done. Yeah, so am I. I've backed, it, I've backed the hell out of it. Like, I have a copy coming and Jen has a copy coming. 
And yep. uh, the Onyx Path. If you if you want to get me my 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 colored copy, like my full layout copy, a little sooner than the rest of the kick of the Indiegogo <laughs> people, uh, let me know, and that will. I mean, sponsored, not sponsored, could be sponsored. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I will shill for the Onyx Path. I come on, we've ran on their channel. Facts. Twice. I'm really curious who, who we're talking with right now because if it's I think Trout... his name is Ian. So oh, his name's Ian. Oh, Ian. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hey. Right we said that a couple times. Oh, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> We've had a lot of names bouncing around. Wait, which Ian? Is it the Ian that I met at OPPCon where I was doing tech for that Ian? It might be. Um, in in case that is a really nice person. So um, okay. So uh, personal Ooh. instrument uh, is something that you are gonna have to figure out as well. Um, uh -huh, so he confirmed. That is you. Oh, you're a really nice person. I enjoyed that that brief interaction that we had. Um, <laughs> I was too busy trying to make sure the mics were working, but uh, uh, very pleasant, very pleasant people. Um, all of the, you know, everybody. Uh, so uh, personal instruments are something as well that you'll probably have to figure out. Uh, anybody who wants to can have a unique instrument, uh, which is, of course, your uh, your own uh, personalized special magic item. I think the best way to describe this is Darcy, your mother's book of shadows. Um, you use that to cast forces magic. Let's say forces for the case of this. Um, it gives you a difficulty break on all casting. However, if I take it and I feed it to a fireplace, uh, you cannot cast forces until you replace it with something of equally sentimental or powerful value. I am hecking looking forward to that final book too. Um, okay, so rules changes that we are going to do uh, that we're going to touch on real quick between the editions. So counter magic. Uh, I'm going to make one minor change to counter magic and that is that I like the idea that I've always used. This is the house rule I was talking about. If you have prime sight up, prime being the sphere of reality and magic, if you can see magic in motion, um, you do not need to roll to do this. You can spend points of quintessence to raise or lower the difficulty of an effect that you can see. Uh, quintessence is expensive, so I think that it also cuts down on the amount of rolling we do. So if you can see it, you can squash it, and this is why the technocracy, uh, pardon me, the order of reason, is more dangerous because they have more nodes than you do at this point, even. They can afford to buy you out of reality. So uh, are you all cool with that house rule? Uh, all right, so next point of order, uh, rotes. So I had all of you create rotes. Rotes, for those of you who do not know, are basically spells. They're formulas on your character sheet where it's like, I know how to how to snap my fingers and shut off all light in this area. All candles will snuff out. I always do it the same way because I go, Michael, and, and summon the archangel to sweep all of the flames away or something like that. It's always the same every time. Uh, in the, the shadow, god damn it. Um, in the, uh, for those of you watching on YouTube later, uh, the Onyx Path just left a horrible pun in my chat. Um, rotes always work the same way. In the live action version of the game, uh, rotes make your difficulty less. Uh, so in this, um, for the time being, we're going to say that rotes don't do that, but they're basically a quick spell you have on your character sheet. If you need to make a concentration check, or if, for example, you are casting on the fly or in combat, if you have it as a rote, I will be more charitable about, about maybe not providing a fast casting penalty because it's becoming a second reflex to you at that moment. Sound good? Yeah. So 
And another Which will be great when I also have concentration. <laughs> yes, for you, it's going to be, it's going to, it's cheap as hell. Um, okay, so specialties are another rule that was different in Mage 20 versus Revised. Uh, a specialty is that when you are particularly good at something, when you have a f four dots of an attribute or a skill, uh, or pardon me, an ability, uh, you, uh, in Revised, you would reroll your 10s. So if you rolled a 10 on a 10-sided dice, you'd roll it again and see if you got more 10s or more 9s or 8s or whatever the difficulty is. In M20, they simplified it and said, hey, you roll a 10, it counts as two successes instead of one. What do you want? Because on one hand, I never get more successes when I re-roll my 10s. And those two yeah. dice, like when I was over on uh, McStabber Studios playing my 1980s Mage... Those extra successes from rolling two successes per 10 would have been great. However, then there are people like Christine who will take one 10. I really like exploding 10s, okay? <laughs> about that. I was like, well, Christine will get like 20 successes by re rolling 10s or whatever somehow. And I'll just like get two I, successes and they'll both I be 10. I blame the dice that Kelly bought me, okay? It's not so, my fault. He bought the <laughs> dice. So here's the deal. We oh. could we could choose now, or we could you could choose at the time. As in, you can take it as two, or you can re-roll it. So we just have to declare it. Be like, I'm. Like, I'm keep, if you yeah. roll tens, be I, like I I'm keeping fine. my tens and taking four or something. If you roll two tens yeah. versus I'm yeah. or saying I re-roll. Okay. I, I'm fine with you making okay. that choice on the fly, so long as you're honest about it. We don't use dice cams because, for one, uh, they're expensive. For two, we don't use a virtual tabletop because it messes with our layout. Uh, and our face cams, we, we're, we're, come on, look how pretty we are, especially, especially not me. Um, I'm okay. Uh, but I, I want to trust you guys. And if I can't trust my players, I don't, I shouldn't be running for them, is my opinion. Um, I only run for friends. Uh, I only run for people that I trust and care about. Because you're going to be trusting me to not, uh, cross any lines or do anything that's going to hurt you emotionally. Uh, I'm going to trust you to be honest with me about this game. And... Um, if you fail a roll, I, I think a lot of the, the cheating that comes in role-playing games is the, you want to hold on to the power. Yeah. Um, well, and but, honestly, I'll probably end up, I'll, I'll try both, but mm. I'll probably end up sticking with one because then I'm not trying to game it for, oh, well, this role is really important. So I need to guarantee at least a couple successes. I would rather have it be like, okay, well, no, I prefer exploding tens so that's what i'm gonna stick to and if i fail i fucking fail because okay. why like why try and keep switching back and forth for at least for myself um, yeah, i'm probably gonna do something similar where i'm gonna feel which one try I like both and then decide which, you do it yeah whichever yeah. one you feel most comfortable with mm. yeah and then that way you're not trying i don't know that way it's like well the luck is what it is and, and I know that you guys have played with me enough that you know that failing forward is something I really believe in. Um, I believe that failure is the most enjoyable experience in a game if you do it right. And um, I think that that is the number one thing that Chronicles of Darkness, uh, second edition from, from Onyx Path, did correctly is the dramatic failure beat mechanic. That if you, you can take a dramatic failure to gain more experience points because you don't that. learn from success. Well, yeah, you, I mean, the best thing about Monday Night's game was failing. Yeah. Failing rolls and getting possessed. <laughs> oh, yeah. Get, Callie getting possessed. Or like well. Claudette, two nat ones in a row. Well, I guess she's seasick. Yeah. 
So yeah, um, I love failing. It's that was it's great. Fun. So we like, are I don't going... necessarily want to fail on like when I've set up a really good spell slot and I'm spending it like several slots above and like I'm really spending for this to try and hit hard and then I fail. But if you that do, really you do. sucks. But if you do, you do, and but... then you hit them next time. Um, so uh, as far as dice mechanics, we're also going to be using the standard dice mechanics in terms of uh, ones. So ones subtract from successes. Um, uh, with one exception, uh, you cannot botch a uh, you can't botch a soak roll, so you can't b- botch absorbing damage. Um, you can't botch a damage roll. You can't punch someone so hard that you heal them, unless you use magic. Um, and uh, you cannot if you roll a ten and then roll a one, it doesn't cancel the previous ten. It just kills. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna have that in there on the ten explodes if you decide to use them, because that kills your soul. Yeah, I'm gonna be generous there. Okay, um, resonance. Uh, resonance is something from Mage Revised. It is basically a flavor of your character. Uh, in Mage Revised, you could call upon it to make magic easier. If you had a really fiery personality, you would have the fiery resonance. It was basically like you know, adjective attached to you. Um, and if you cast fire magic, it was easier. But ice magic was harder. Um, we're not gonna have those in terms of mechanics. Um, because that's just a few too many for a newer player. Uh, but I want you all to have a point of resonance because I really have always appreciated it because it is a, li- a lingering stain of who you are when you cast magic. So it's, you know, like, I have not felt this presence in a long time. My old master is here. How can you tell? He has the resonance static high ground. <laughs> right? So, like... Well, and and I mean, in my opinion, we don't have any, but with the whole like Euthanatos thing and having Jor, Jor as a resonance, I if 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 one of us is in a position to gain Jor as a resonance, I want us to have that opportunity. <laughs> yeah, uh, Jor is death taint. You get it from doing great life choices. Uh, the best type of life choices. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so uh, we only get a couple more of these. So uh, we are doing the divided success rule. So, for example, if you roll more successes on magic than you mean to, you can spend them wherever you choose inside. Uh, in this magic system, you roll successes, then you buy things off columns, basically. I want it to last for one, two, three, uh, three days, and I want it to blow him up for 10 points of damage for three days. Right, things like that. So uh, you are going to be able to do that. We're using that because it, it makes sense to me that like sometimes sometimes you can overextend. Uh, I uh, who has not tried to do something and did it way too hard. Yeah, uh, you have not. You have not. Of course, you have because you do everything perfectly. Um, okay, so we're going to do that uh, according to the base rules. Uh, scrying through time is almost always vulgar. I'm not sure how that works in the Victorian era, but I'm going to say that it is only vulgar if you don't have a means to fake it. Uh, yes, or catastrophic. Right, I was just going to. I wanted to comment on the previous comment. Yes. It's not that I never do more than I intend to because I always intend overkill. Oh, okay, that's fair. That's fair. Yes, Christine always kills. Um, so uh, what this means, Amy, if you try to look through time and uh, if you are looking back in time at a crime scene and you're investigating yeah. it using these brand new methods from that book that or that short story that came out four years ago, uh, St- uh, Study in Scarlet, um, you know, that Holmlock Schurz guy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So if you take time and you you couch it in modern stuff, you can probably get away with it. Uh, but mm. time magic is usually fairly vulgar. Um, it depends what you do, in my opinion. So we're going to play it by ear. 
Um, forces rules. Uh, we're using the forces bonus damage from revised. In revised, forces damage always does an additional point of damage because forces blow stuff up. I'm going to keep that because I like it. Uh, quintessence drain from self. Uh, I have a note here that I guess in M20 they changed it. Uh, so you can scour your own pattern for quintessence with Prime 1 in my games. Uh, as per the rote in the Verbena book, um, uh, what is it, self-sacrifice? Is that what it's yeah. called? Yeah, yeah. self-sacrifice. So we're, we're going to use that even though, um, however, I was looking at other Prime stuff and I was really, I was, I was arguing with the M20 for a while. I was flipping through and I'm like, I don't like the way they did Prime. But then I thought about it for longer and harder about what Prime represents and I actually kind of agree with it, so long as you can still you can still use Prime offensively at level 2. It just has to be a direct handoff. But we talked about that earlier, so that'll be fun. Uh, Mothman Shrink. I have no idea what that means, but cool. Um, and then finally, uh, let's get to the fun part, folks. We're done with rules stuff, for the most part. Um, if there's any other things that come up, we're going to address them as we go. But we're going to try to use Victorian as much as possible, followed by M20 and then the spirit. Revised for the fun stuff. <laughs> Revised for this, the, the fun spirit. Okay, we're going to talk about on historical accuracy. This game is not a documentary, nor will it mean to be. We are not going to use historical slang on the regular, and when we work it in, it's going to be heckin' fun. Uh, this game is going to use specific language. It is going to, we're going to try to be as proper and fun as possible as these characters. Where we're going to be, pip pip cheerio, have a wonderful day. But also, you fucking motherfucker, I'm going to fuck you with a fuck. Right? That might come up. By the way, content warning, language. But I have the mature filter on, so you click through that, so you're fine. Um, so, uh, except on YouTube. Oops. Hi. Uh, so, uh, there will be language. Uh, we will be historically accurate where it's fun, but our goals in this game are as follows. And correct me if I'm wrong on this one. Uh, to tell a cool story. To have fun with that story. Those are interchangeable, to be honest. To feel really badass while doing it. To wear cool costumes. To use funny voices. And then around like number six or number seven is to be historically accurate. Uh, and I put mage historical accuracy above. <laughs> yes, to be historically accurate to mage, um, which we will try to be accurate with, with the exception of years, because uh, we are playing with the idea of the floating timeline, right? Where, well, the Sons of Ether didn't actually leave until like 1901, but it's like, eh. but maybe they left a couple years earlier and the, just the records are wrong, right? Yeah, totally. It's fine. Um, and so, honestly, like, it's the world of darkness, so that doesn't mean it's going to be identical to current day Earth. Yep, exactly. Uh, and like, a couple of, stuff can be different. Um, and something that is uh, going to be really important is our next point. And the reason that we're not doing historical accuracy to the fullest extent is, and here is the part that I will probably hear about in the comments later, uh, but not in the chat, because everybody on Twitch is really cool. Um, not most of you on YouTube are cool, too. Just those couple of people. You'll, you, know, you know who they are. They get blocked pretty quick. Uh, we're going to talk about marginalized history and presentation. Okay? So, uh, point case in point, uh, all of us are, for the most part, coming from places of limited marginaliza marginalization at most. Uh, I am a mostly cis, mostly cis, mostly hetero, mostly white guy. Okay? Uh, I have, a, like, a fairly sizable chunk of, uh, of Native American indigenous heritage. Um, but I never met the guy. 
Okay, it never really has affected my life. Uh, some of us here, uh, well, everybody but me is either female or femme presenting. Uh, and many people here are, uh, many besides myself, uh, are of marginalized sexual identities. Um, so, but at the same point, like, this is a historical game. So how do we run a game with racism, sexism, genderism, uh, homophobia, well, homophobia was weird in the Victorian era, uh, and, uh, how do we portray cultures well without, um saying, and in this episode, we go to the Orient, right? How do we present this both in a way that is tasteful, but also authentic enough that it that that we don't feel like, well, why don't we just set this in, like, 1999 type of thing? And, oh, thank you very much, The Onyx Path. Um, and thank you very much, Froggy Mythlegs, for... Oh, you gifted. Thank you. You gifted to The Onyx Path. That's fantastic. Um... And I'm glad you're here as well, guys. Um, so that is something that we need to discuss and we need to make sure that everybody is okay with. Uh, so first of all, there, in, when you're doing historical um, historical fiction, there are two ways to do racism and sexism. One is to pretend that they don't exist. This is kind of um, like the, the method. It's not quite accurate to say it's the Doctor Who method, but a lot of Doctor Who in like the earlier couple of seasons of the revised or revive Doctor Who kind of just had, you know, okay, cool. We're going to go back in time to like places where there is a lot of just, you know, um, homogenization of, of people of all ethnicities. And we just don't make a big deal about it. We just kind of hand wave a lot of it. Um, modern episodes of Doctor Who uh, have actually delved into that. There was the episode with Rosa Parks not that long ago where race was a big thing. And to be fair, it was a much bigger thing after a certain point in the United States than it was anywhere else in the world uh, on purposes of race. Because racism... I have a master's in history. I still don't feel comfortable giving like the explanation of race throughout history. Just, it's complicated. Um, Very. Like, if I were running a Requiem for Rome game, uh, racism would be far different in the Roman Empire, for example. Uh, it's Back then, it wouldn't be based on skin color as much, for example. It would be based on your accent or um, what colors you were wearing more than what color you, you were. Um, so, uh, on race, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to present people with every bit of dignity. Um, and I'm going to present any type of of inherent racism of the era uh bluntly but as a negative thing in the way i portray it how does that sound i am not going to use any vulgar language or slurs i don't want to i don't want that coming out of my mouth let alone on video okay uh we will probably not go to certain places in america in the 1800s um because this game is starting in europe and america at the same time uh if we deal with the Orient, quote, quote, um, so if we deal with anywhere in Asia or in um, uh, like the Indian subcontinent specifically, uh, there's a lot of stuff there I would like to lean into. Like how, uh, I mean, we're right in the middle of all the stuff that Britain is doing to that entire half of the world. You know, if we go to Africa, that's, that is going to be a, a trip. Um, so... I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to try to be authentic and I'm going to try to do it with the heart of a historian from the 21st century. Um, if you have any suggestions and if anybody in the chat has any any suggestions on how to do this, um, that it is done with a 
I don't want to hand wave what we did, uh, but I will never celebrate it. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, and hopefully I will never come across like I am. Cool? Cool. Uh, same thing with women, because I like women. I think women are great. They are um, uh, equal to or better than guys. Um, de it depends on the person, kind of. Uh, but, um, like, you know, it's almost like they're half of humanity. Um, so I'm going to treat you with uh, a little bit of condescension at times. Uh, when I do. Uh, I expect you to uh, destroy the straw man, please. <laughs> okay. Um, we've done it in the past where we generally prefer not to have homophobia or uh, other types of uh, phobias or, or things in our games. Uh, with the sole exception that if anybody dis displays that, a non-player character does, it's open season. Um, so it's like that uh, anti-masker from Werewolf. Uh, yes, we had an anti-masker in Werewolf, an anti-vaxxer in Werewolf anti particularly. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was a fun episode because that was right when um, the pandemic was hitting its height. We were just like, all and right. we had a bunch of protests in Vancouver. So, and we were in a modern game set with COVID. And uh, the werewolves were actually fighting the spirits of the virus at a time. It was... Uh, uh, uncomfortably political at times but hey uh so uh with that um i'm there are going to be places where it'll be easier to be a woman uh, i want this to be a celebration of women in this era as well if mm -hmm. that works for y'all cool yeah cool and uh, i think that's the thing is like with the issues of racism and orientalism and all the isms yeah. that are huge in a period of colonialism um and that is one thing I want. As long as hmm. they're addressed as being present, so it's not like you're pretending they never existed. Yeah. But it's, it's oh. clearly put as it's that dude's an asshole. Look at him being all racist. And then we can kind of be the more enlightened, which again is a bad term as well. But <laughs> a lot of the way of thinking from that era is just it's got issues. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Onyx Path beat me to it right there, but I was actually just about to tell them uh, that for those of you who are just getting into the Victorian era mage book right now, um, the Victorian age mage book uh, that Onyx Path is just working on right now, finishing its finals of, uh, makes a big deal of pointing the, all of this stuff out. That imperialism is at its height and that the book is not a celebration of imperialism and that it um, actually, the number one thing that I want to congratulate onyx path on with m20 and all of their mage products to date uh especially coming out of like the m20 edition they have been representative as fuck um they have used uh characters of all ethnicities uh on their cover art uh, in fact hey like here here's something that uh oh no i don't have it nearby i was gonna Which show book? off uh my book of secrets has a woman of color on the cover Oh, sorry. Yeah, it's on that side table. But uh, I was literally side like, couch. yeah, so it's, it's over there. Uh, but like, you know, woman of color on the cover. When we, we never would have seen that when I was starting out in games. Um, there is an NPC inside of uh, one of the mage books that uses alternative pronouns, uh, new pronouns. Uh, Zazer, I believe. I yeah, I found um, when I was looking at merits, they had specifically that uh, Zer might. Yeah, right. It was just part of the sentence. There's no identified this person uses these pronouns. It was just part of the sentence. Like they'd say she or her or his or him. Yeah. Just there. And it I has been like, 
This yeah. is so cool. And it's been fantastic to see that. And I really celebrate you for doing that and for uh, hiring a diverse group of writers to come together to write something that is about all sorts of cultures and belief systems. Almost like um, a bunch of like homogenous writers from like the American Midwest or South uh, writing about issues in Asia in the 1300s might not get the vibe quite right. Like the flavor might get close, but there are nuances that cultures miss from the outside. That's it's a wonderful step. Good job. Like seriously, go support their books. Um, it's great, and uh, it it doesn't take anything away from the experience. It can only add to it if you get someone's home hometown advantage on the writing. Right. Like seriously. So um, so there's that. Uh, so that is the deal we are going to go forward with with uh, all of the the race and sexism thing. As far as matters of uh, of sexuality, uh, Victorian sexuality was super diverse. So was Victoria gender Victorian gender identity. Uh, the idea of a third sex was very common. That um, it had nothing to do with your genitalia. That if you were a uh, uh, for example, if you were a man who like to, and I'm using the terminology from the era, please mind me, uh, but if you're a man who liked to dress in women's clothing, you would often be considered a third sex. I don't see why that's a problem. If that is something that would be at the time, um, so long as it is done with care, uh, and if I introduce a character like that, uh, I am going to do my research and talk to my trans friends um, and make sure that it's all good because if you've been watching Dork Tales, you should know there are a lot of trans characters in the, in, in these games. A lot in our D&D games, too. A lot you wouldn't know because magic makes certain aspects of that easier if you would like to take those routes. Um, and hey, there's magic here, too. Um, so there, uh, yeah, and also life uh, magic is really easy for that. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and Jen, for example, your character comes from a place where gender identity is a bit more fluid. Yep. So, I've, I've actually come to the conclusion that if she were in modern day, um, mm. she would probably be, you know, use they, them pronouns and be gender fluid and not really care, um, because of the time period and because there was not there isn't the same like everything attached to gender in Concordia mm -hmm. as we've decided because it does, it's not like it goes into it in the book or anything, but no. whatever it's in space. Who cares? Um, space gender. Yeah. I'm usually I'm just like, shirt. okay, she's, she's using she, her pronouns because that's just what, she uses she doesn't care but if somebody were to use different pronouns for her she also wouldn't care about that well let's so. just let's say that in enochian the pronouns are, are 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 neutral yeah you know what in enochian the pronouns wouldn't be neutral they would be all-encompassing yeah they would exactly. be the opposite it wouldn't be gender neutral it'd be gender every omni <laughs> yeah because enochian doesn't do half measures damn it um this is true it's really true praise enoch uh okay so, um, oh, and the character art was done by a good friend of the channel uh, named Eve. Uh, if you like the art, we can uh, get you their information. It'll be coming uh, behind the episode when this posts up so that you can see the other cool art, which is going to be fantastic because they're great and they take commissions and they're a, a starting artist and could really use uh, the extra commissions. And the art is fantastic. The yeah. sp space genders. Uh, okay, so mature themes. You guys ready to talk about some mature themes? Sure. Yeah. sure. Okay, so um, 
first off, as we go into this, no one has to discuss anything on camera that they do not want to discuss. Period. Uh, this game is going to have dark themes. We are four years after the, well, ballpark, four years after the Whitechapel murders. For example, Jack the Ripper is present in this time period. Uh, perhaps literally, okay? The memory of these killings is very, very common. The the casual murder of uh, lots of normal people is very common. The... Um, Horrible drug use, um, violence against, uh, against women, marginalized identities. Um, every, all of this is very present. So is just casual violence. Um, so there are certain things that we all like to talk about um, and make sure that we are comfortable with. For example, I have been restricted from doing anything to eyeballs and fingernails. That is a simple squick that y'all don't want. If anybody else has a squick that they do not want to deal with. Um, I have been in some games where people are like, um, I've been in games with people who were um, recovering, uh, recovering addicts. And they didn't want to deal with any subplots involving addiction, particularly with injections. Um, if that is something that you don't want to talk about uh, as players, please let me know. Um, if there's stuff you just prefer not to talk about, um, let me know. We are also going to be employing a system, and I strongly suggest for those of you watching that when you are running more mature games, that you always have safety procedures in play. Uh, the simplest one, uh, number one, is to build a bond of trust and understand where everyone is coming from. That is the first step to having a good game, is to having a, a trusting, consensual relationship. Um, Jen, you've been playing with me for, for 15 years now or more. Um, I know that you have no boundaries, really, but... <laughs> If you needed to take a break or discovered a boundary, you know you could tell me, and I would yeah. not judge you. Absolutely. Uh, Amy, you have some boundaries, but you trust me not to cross them without permission. Or to even approach them without permission. Your yeah. boundaries are an angry dog. <laughs> I have to tame it before I can deal with it. Um, so... Um, Trust is incredibly important in these type of games. However, uh, there are times where I might overestimate someone's um, comfort level. Uh, in those cases, there are two methods that I find very useful. One is the black card method. Uh, black card is particularly useful when you're playing in person. You have a black piece of paper, a black playing card. You have something uh, on the table, and you can do one of two things. Either you hold it up when you are uncomfortable and would like the scene to stop, or it's in the center of the table, and all you have to do is put your hand on it. Because then you're not drawing attention to yourself as easily, and some people are very shy about that. The black card means that the current scene stops. We transition and move on, uh, and if we need to, we take a five-minute break, ten-minute break, go to the bathroom, grab some more coffee, something like that. Okay? Um, I don't think black card is as useful because we are playing remotely. Um, so we're going to use the more active version of it because we're all theater idiots. So we are going to be using the, uh, the phrase, uh, fade to black. Fade to black means the following. Uh, you ever seen a James Bond movie? Cool. He seduces a lot of women. Do you ever see the pornographic nature of those encounters? Or do we pan to the fireplace and fade to black? That's what we're doing in this case. And um, 
we have done this many times. Uh, for example, uh, I have no idea how many times uh, Amy's character in our primary Dungeons and Dragons game has seduced or been seduced because we constantly fade to black. And I don't know if they actually did stuff or if they played checkers all night. Um, and if and Amy is checkers a euphemism? I don't. I mm, if Amy knows. wants to tell me, they will. Right. Uh, so in the case of that, at any point in time, y'all can say. Uh, you can either send me a message, uh, you can send me a PM if something is getting extreme, uh, and you can you can say like, and then we fade to black or something like that. You can take the control from the narr of the narration from me. I don't mind. Yeah. Leave, leave um, the audience. I mean, that's the sort of thing. Like, if we're in a one-on-one -on -one scene, I'm. If it's getting to the point where I'm like, eh, this is going a little far, I'll be like, okay, well, this is what my character does, and then can we fade to black? Yeah, sort that of thing. Good. And here's the thing: if you employ the safety tool in your home games. Uh, there's one rule for it. The storyteller does not argue with it. No one argues with it. When someone says, I think we should fade to black on this, you say, okay. The only thing that you can do if your group is comfortable with it is you can say, uh, if the result of that encounter is something that is crucial to the resolution of the story, for example, it is a violent encounter where you think someone might die, uh, you can say, okay, cool. Um, take a couple minutes and let me know how you want that scene to have resolved. Or can we talk about how the scene would have resolved in a few minutes? Give it some breathing space or leave it for the rest of the rest, rest of the game if you can. Um, usually these things tend to happen around the midway point to late in the game anyway. Nobody really jumps in with a scene of, you know, that would require that. But um, so... Um, that is what you should do. Um, just, you know, and the thing is that like real talk, okay. Um, someone, you know, has experienced, uh, violence, be it physical, sexual, or emotional. Um, I, for example, was, uh, was terrorized by my father for the better part of a decade. Uh, he was a violent alcoholic, um, to the point where I, I don't consume alcohol because I have a worse temper than my father. Uh, and I'm twice the size that he was. So I worry that if I'm not a happy drunk, I will be that other thing. For the longest time, I did not like being around the smell of alcohol, particularly, uh, particularly beers, um, because I remember what that smells like coming off of someone's breath. Uh, when they're like this far from my face, right? Um... So there are times in games that uh, between that and problems I had in high school because I was um, a very extroverted, strangely introverted kid at times, I also dealt with a lot of bullying. I don't do well personally with feeling like everyone in a room hates me and is trying to tear me apart. Being ganged up on really bothers me. Um, I have managed to work through most of my problems over the years. I even took a job bartending to get myself closer to it to do some on, hands-on therapy. That was my choice to do. I wasn't forced into it, and that gave me power. Also, cutting guys off is really therapeutic if you have a problem with beer. You're like, nah, you gotta go. And then they have to go, or else you call the cops. Or the bouncer. And it's fun. But anyway, so, um, with that in mind, I know what it's like to have these triggers, and, like, it's it's not a joke anymore. It's 2021. Um, your players have had life experience and there's some things you just don't want to talk about. There's some things you just don't want to do for some of the players here. I'm sorry. I'm going to bring it up once. So Christine, you can 
you can shut your ears for a sec. Um, some people might not like fingernail stuff because they saw a movie where fingernails got pulled out. <laughs> Other people might have seen something with an eye and they're just like, nope. And hey, almost all of us have seen Brendan Fraser's mummy. You know which scene I'm talking about. Nobody wants to talk about scarabs, okay? Um, <laughs> so, but everybody has something. So just just be authentic with your players, and 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 um, that, I'm gonna off my soapbox now. But um, so with that in mind, we have had lots of conversations behind the scenes. So um, when I am doing something, know that we have already worked this out. But if at any time they can pull the ripcord and that's their call, man, like uh, consent in role playing games, consent in anything you do in life is the same as consent in the bedroom. The moment you say, you know what? I think I'm out. Uh, you get to leave. No one can make you stay there uh, because that's morally wrong <laughs> to put someone through something they don't want. Um it's morally and ethically wrong, and I, I like to. I try to live my life fairly morally and ethically. But anything you, you that you all want to add to this? Um, I just wanted to say that. Um, oh, activators! Like, like there's you know, a lot of uh, everything you said is is great. Um, for people like me, and this is why you know we joke about me not having boundaries. I use role playing as catharsis. I work through my own shit through role-playing yes. and i also really like to get into the acting part of it i may cry on camera and i do this for myself um mm -hmm. however there are times when uh, it hasn't happened yet but you know it could where something is just hitting me a little too hard or something is hitting me in a way i did not expect and yeah i trust that if i tell kelly hey let's fade to black <laughs> um that he will he will do that so yeah. uh, and that is that is also the concept of bleed which is something you might not have heard of it was very it was popularized um in my experience first with nordic style larp um and then i have borrowed a lot of things from nordic larp and uh that i've, I've ran a bunch i haven't actually played in any one that i haven't ran but um bleed is basically emotional things that you either bring into game or take out of game uh for example um a really easy one is uh be really careful uh when you have a conflict in character that that does not sour your relationship with the person out of character also if you have a romantic storyline in character uh try to make sure that that doesn't follow you out unless you're both cool with that too because getting a crush on a friend can be really weird at times hey honey we can have romance we, we well, <laughs> also be weird i try not to do <laughs> that with you i try not to do yeah. that with you you know what you're fine you know i always feel I'm like i'm really sad because my characters don't get romance <laughs> oh okay I'll, I'll give it to you um so uh so here okay so i always feel like people watch these games because i have more female friends than male friends because like i live on on an island where the male to female ratio is like three to one in this city or, or male to female, you know, presenting to presenting. Yeah. Um, and so, like, most of the role players I know, I've got, like, four guys, five guys. I tell this story sometimes. And I've got, like, 20, 20 femme or femme presenting players. And every time I get a new friend and I'm like, oh, this guy's really cool. And they're fun and they're flamboyant and they're <laughs> extroverted and they're a lot like me. They later go, actually... 
uh, a little thing about me that you need to know. And then it turns out that they're that they're actually trans. And I'm like, damn it. Damn. Like, like they're, 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 that sounded wrong. Uh, but like it <laughs> like, always. Congrats. Not that it, being that is a bad thing, but that Kelly really wants a guy friend. I really want more guys. Kelly wants a but bro. it turns out they're all just really cool trans women. <laughs> It's uh, so funny. Out. It's so funny. It's how ha- you know what? It wouldn't be funny if it hadn't happened three times in the past two years. <laughs> right. It really has. <laughs> but like opposite Jen, um, I don't like crying on camera because I can't stop crying. Yep. Mm. Um, so I am the sort of person who once I start crying, I can't stop. I get really oversensitive because of it and everything gets worse and I go really blotchy and gross and I hate it. Um so on that note, like I've made it clear there's certain things that I can't have in games, or at least they can be hinted at, but they can't be explicit. Mm. So stuff like cruelty to animals. I cannot sit through any of the SPCA commercials or yep. anything like that because I would bawl. I hate stop it, stop it. Seriously. Demonetized. <laughs> um or anything like that. And like sometimes I can't work through stuff very well in character, but like for an example, so I used to work in auto mechanics a lot. Hmm. Guess who has been told on multiple occasions, I would like to talk to a man. You can't possibly (laughs) know anything about this because you are female and you don't have a dick. I wish they And would. it's very like, oh, your penis doesn't make you better too. at cars. My job too. <laughs> um, but, you, but you're better at stick shifting then. <laughs> but it's just like, so after a day of receiving that, dude, I was so happy unless when we started it's dating. set up specifically right in the game so that I can kick the shit out of that asshole. Straw man. I, I don't want it. I don't um, want to see it. <laughs> so, um, so uh, I was really happy when Christine and I started dating because my car was really in a bad state and she used to be a mechanic. <laughs> oh yeah, I checked your brakes like, all the time. Yeah, how do I change? How do I change my oil? I know to change my tires, but like, is it yep. really as easy as it sounds? Do I? Oh yeah. Yeah. Totally. I don't know how to change my tire. I might need some lessons if you're if you're still uh I can, if you're no, not no, no, even no. lost. My, my dad my my dad taught me how to change it. He taught me like four things. I know how to do that too. Um so I know, I started in high school. Yeah. Well that's oh, all yeah, yeah. an apprenticeship. <laughs> um but I injured my back, so I ended up leaving oh, it. But yeah. I ended up working for a parts counter for quite a while after that. Okay. Uh, before going back to uni. Um it just in terms of like crying on camera and like getting into conflicts, I do love getting into conflicts between characters. Like that yeah. is something Hi, Amy. I do. <laughs> Hi, Jen. Yeah, so, we yeah. did that in Werewolf recently. Um, yeah. But Whereas, that scene I was talked it. about in advance. We yeah. knew it was coming. We were like, this will be cool to do. When's it gonna fit in? And then we talked about it beforehand and after the fact. And then Mm -hmm. I think it was either later that session or later the next session, I just like, I I full on just like crying in game, in character. And I'm like, it was a good, good game. Good game. I was glad for it. I was fine. Yeah. Um, And it's like, I have to have that sort of thing really, really planned because I am super competitive. I know this about myself. This is a reason why I do not play competitive games with friends because I will legit turn into an evil monster and I hate it. (laughs) Uh, So I don't do it. Because I do not want to have that feeling between me and a friend. Mm. Uh, Robin, what were you going to say? You, you've been oh, I was going to so. say for um um for the the trust and the the thing for like being able to trust your your storyteller and game master and all that. Um, 
we were talking i i was thinking about some stuff and i'm pretty open for like like there's not much that like i don't will do the fade to black and i but i thought of one thing and i came to kelly and he's like oh yeah i already knew that like i you i know you're saying it but i already knew that about you and it's like i haven't even known this guy for a year and he already knows like well we're friends what not to do yeah you, i know but it's just yeah. like i do it, it, it's 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 that relationship where it's like yeah, yeah i trust you implicitly for this well, no i've got a lot of love for you like like you like you gotta take care of people and you should run games for your friends by the way and if they're not your friends yet like do what you can to make them your friends because if you're not running games for your friends what are you doing like unless you're getting paid like and if you're getting paid good job i, I kind of get paid for this but like i i i cheated i did both um by the way, like and subscribe, <laughs> smash that bell, support the Patreon. Um, I mean, you used to always get paid for uh, for certain things <laughs> while you were running games while you were working. Oh yes, that's fair. Yeah, I. I... <laughs> <laughs> we're on camera, Jen. This was. I doubt ago. anybody from those jobs are. <laughs> Yeah. watching this uh, you know what i hope they are and hope they're liking and subscribing and smashing that bell and don't forget to support the patreon and uh rate the podcast so that we can beat distractible because that's all what? markiplier talks about these days is his damn podcast and nobody cares about your podcast mark i didn't even know he had a podcast yeah i didn't know then you're winning podcast. would you like to hear about distractible hey you're saying shut up play resident evil anyway um <laughs> Sorry. Uh, wow. This is this is what it's like off camera, by the way. This is just me, uh, me yeah. ranting about Markiplier because he makes, you know. Money? I think I think he makes 400,000 <laughs> times what I do. Um, so uh, Markiplier, Markiplier's fine. He's, he seems fine. Yeah. Um, so uh, a couple of things. Uh, this game will contain scenes that uh, will not violate Twitch's terms of service or ter terms of content, uh, but will... Um, there will be, as the audience, I ask you to trust me on this and to know that I will not push scenes past a certain extent, or I will not do anything without the player's consent. Uh, there's an early scene involving Darcy that will imply sexualized violence. It will not achieve sexualized violence. It will not occur on camera. It will not be, uh, it will be very fun. So if you can get through the initial discomfort of that scene, I guarantee that the um, the punchline of that scene will be very fun, even if this is a bad thing for you, uh, if you can handle that. Uh, mm. If not, uh, take a walk, go to the washroom for a minute. Um, but for example, I will never put them in a situation where they will be uncomfortable or where it will harm my friendship with them. So, um, and I, and I, I have asked for this. I specifically yes. wrote this down. I, but this is me asking for this and Kelly so that it's it's yeah oh we're being raided oh hello raid hello otter this world okay oh, otter so uh, and then um so uh and then uh the last thing that i really want to suggest for because it seemed like a couple of you were seeing this type of conversation for the first time in the chat is um have a debrief yeah. If you had a really stressful session after game is over, um, we're doing it on camera, so we will probably do it after the camera is cut. Uh, mm -hmm. We might do some of it beforehand as we're as we're ending the game, just because we want to get it out right then. And if it's on camera, who cares? Um, but sit around and talk. Hmm. At, like, give a minute. Like, 
uh, I think Jen and Amy, you spent some time just like crying at each other for a couple minutes and like hugging it out. Did virtually, we? I didn't don't you? remember. Kind of? I guess so. Yeah. Oh God, we all did after that remember. game. Yeah. You did the, you yeah. okay? You okay? I'm okay. Are you okay? Type of thing. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah sometimes you need it. Yeah. it. It is it is easier to do it in person. So yeah, I think yeah. we were just double checking out of yeah. game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On camera. Well, and having it off camera is really important because like, I mean, we had that with Rhyme where my yes. character had a really serious like thing happen and kind of got alienated and it was really intense and people kept trying to ask me if i was okay on camera and i was like shut up guys shut up you're gonna make me cry don't want to not on camera afterwards is fine <laughs> i will happily cry with you when the camera is cut <laughs> yeah. so having a private debrief is really important so that you guys can express it without feeling like you're expressing it to the whole world and that everybody will be able to go back and leer at your upset or anything like that yeah, or especially your as the feelings. channel continues to grow that's more ammo yeah. for trolls right um yeah. so a quick a quick story about a debrief that went really well uh once upon a time uh my players and i like most of the dork tales team with a couple of extras who who i don't think are with us at the moment for dork tales uh we booked a cabin uh out in the middle of nowhere and went and did a retreat where I ran a bunch of uh, parlor LARPs, basically. Um, because I really like live action play. I, if I could film it for you guys, I would. Um, but it, I'd have to have someone hold the camera and it would just be weird. Um, I love costuming. I love LARPs. I love acting. And I love games that kind of encourage those type of play styles. We played this game called Sarcophagus. It was a one-shot game. And the basic premise is that you are somewhere in North America. Bomb sirens go off. Um, and an incoming nuclear attack is imminent. Uh, you go to your nearest muster point and go into a fallout shelter with whatever people are in the game. Uh, one of you uh, has been designated as a mole in the, in the, at the beginning of the game and is uh, basically a storyteller's helper. They are a soldier uh, and probably a friend of the people there, but they're the person who's in charge. They're the person who has the gun. And in these type of LARPs, uh, the person with the gun, uh, it like an improv, uh, the gun shuts things down, right? So it is it is the wand of power, right? You go into a vault, and you wait out the apocalypse. And the first half of the game is nice and easy. The bombs don't fall. Yet. You don't know. You wait. Um, and then throughout the game, if you have access to lighting like I did, you would slowly have the lighting get dim. And then you would have the lighting go out for a minute. And at that point, you inform them that um, they no longer can hear the fans circulating air. Nor the, uh, uh, the automatic electricity for the door. It no longer matters if the bombs have dropped. The air is going to run out. There is no way to open the door. They are trapped. Uh, the rest of the game uh, goes between one and two hours where you periodically cut the lights, put on emergency lights if you have red lights, and you let everyone prepare to die. Uh, at the midpoint in this, near the climax, the soldier no longer can take it and commit suicide. This is the lowest point in the game, and for the rest of the game, it is about the players coming to terms with death. It is a fucking intense experience if you if you go into it uh we had a man i just watched it because i wasn't feeling well enough to partake 
it was just intense to watch quietly from the sideline. Like yep. to not be in that circle, <gasps> but oh damn, it was intense to watch. And I'm just thinking, I'm remembering it now too, like we were, the, the place we were, there was a, like this old rotary phone, I think. Yeah, we was found in one drawer. in a drawer. We found one in a drawer. So that became a prop to be like, can we get contact to the outside world? The answer was no, of course not. Um, I was the, I think it was, the soldier was like our, it was my, your uncle, it was Michael Caitlin's, from, uh, and from Caitlin was our, was my sister and the soldier was Michael, our uncle. And so it was this whole thing. And I was just sobbing. I was crying. It was a whole thing. Was it uh, Caitlin or was it winter? It was Caitlin. It was Caitlin. Uh, it was well, Caitlin. I think winter was ill. Winter was with us, but she had a stomach yeah. bug or something. Oh, okay. Um, and so after game, we, we took five minutes, uh, and then we set up chairs in a circle. And people still had their makeup smeared. People still were shaking. And we sat there and we went around in a circle. And the rule was that um, everyone in the circle... Now, I talk a lot, if you couldn't tell. Um, it's why I, I'm good in this seat, because I don't shut up. Um, the rule was that everyone gets three minutes on a timer. During that time, nobody else talks. You can take your time whenever you want. You don't. We don't have to go in a circle. We can go with popcorn style, whoever wants to go next. But you get three minutes of unadulterated you time. You have to take it. You do not have to speak. We can just sit there in silence for a bit and process. That sounds awkward as hell, but it's actually really good. Because when you want to speak, you will speak. And everyone has to listen to you. And my God, if we didn't get some of the most interesting and heartfelt things, we've had players that had had brushes with death before and had used this as a form of therapy. We had people who um, had used this as a metaphor for losing family members or distanced relationships with existing family members. And But it, that conversation is incredibly important. So have like have debriefs talk and and like actively listen it really helps and you'll learn more about your friends which kind of makes you better friends because most of us like we're, we're gen xers millennials and, and zoomers for the most part uh we need friends because our families are weird guys yeah and if you're in person and are happy to hug it out yeah, like hug it out. if you're when if we had larps like there was sessions where we would be bawling during it mm -hmm. yeah and then we would just hug it all out at the end like mm -hmm. i know i got in and off basically physical fight with one of the guys because <laughs> he played the thing of getting up in my face and he did get so close that i did shove him just instinctually you shouldn't have done that i, got, I wasn't I supposed to supposed but to, he was no that touching. close to me so and it was that angry sort of reaction that we then had to go and just be like okay okay afterwards you're cool. You're cool. Okay, I'm cool. Yeah, hug. But like, That's intense. love each other. And the, the fun yeah. part about this is most of this crying. Yeah, the sarcophagus sarcophagus game was pretty rough. That's nothing like some of the mage games I've run. Uh, remember the package? We're not going to yep, talk yep. about the package. Come back yep. for Dork Expo if you want to hear about the package, uh, which was um, a really great LARP experience set in Mage the Ascension, the Technocracy. I'm pretty sure I ended up sitting there with like Millie and Kai and Amy and just hugging it the hell out after that. That one? That was a really good one. That I one mean, was rough. rough. Yeah, I I mean I wasn't I wasn't on the rough side of that one. 
I was the package. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that was. <laughs> I remember that. Um, then we had another episode where the techno. I, I think the counter episode of that we had a game of technocracy. The technocracy is all about uh, keeping to the timeline, and humanity will get what it needs when it needs it for maximum efficiency, and so that everyone accepts it. And the players were tasked with uh, hunting down some technocratic agents who had jumped ship. Uh, and as they are looking for these defectors, they find out that they are not just defectors, they have stolen a cure for cancer. And then as they keep looking, no, they didn't steal it, they invented it. And they're running because the technocracy has told them to shelve their experiments. And they're like, but this cures like 30% of all known cancers. And the technocracy says, yes, it does. We're not ready for it The time is not right, though. Yeah, the time (laughs) is not right. Humanity will not accept this yet. We do not have cancer curing slated until 2042 or something like that. Um, It's the timeline. And uh, the players had to go stop them and, uh, and capture them and, if needed, kill them and destroy their research. And while destroying their research, which they did, they learned, they heard a voice command from their control network that said, good. Uh, or so it was something that basically was like, I hate, or, oh God, how did it go? It was, it was, I'm glad this went as well as the last four times or something yeah. like that. And it was like, it was just the knife. You gotta, as a storyteller, your job is to sharpen the knife and stick. You know what? You're no. Your job is to blunt the knife as much as possible and rub it in lemon juice. Oh, and, then, and a little sprinkle of salt just for yeah, like just basically for, make for, a margarita with your garnish. with your uh, with your players' feelings. Make a and a few serrated edges just to really like on course, the way out course. when you pull it out. So um, this is the kind of stuff you should do. You should definitely have fun and hurt your players as much as they are willing to be hurt. And players. Be willing to be hurt. Yeah, fuck me if up, you don't fam. fail, your successes don't feel as valid or as important. Yeah. Uh, I am of the opinion that you should never succeed without losing something. It can be something small, like a hit point, part of an ear. But if you don't, if you don't risk something, what's the point? And that's what you're going to get here on Dorfman. <laughs> so like and subscribe. Um, so uh, this is... This is going to be a really good game. Uh, last things. Uh, so, uh, consent tools. We've done that. Limits mm-hmm. of Twitch and live platform broadcast. Uh, obviously, uh, as much as I would love to run more historical games, uh, I'm not going to run anything on Twitch that is going to have anything that would violate terms of service. I'm not even going to say some of these things because YouTube will be able to find out through their algorithms. Uh, there is not going to be any inappropriate relationships with, uh, uh, you know... Uh, mm. in game that even if we ran a historical game uh, where that thing was commonplace like in ancient you know Greece and Rome I'm not going to do it online I don't want that coming out of my mouth I do not support it in the modern day it is a fact of history but hey I'm not going to run that on Twitch uh, I'm not going to say certain words and slurs because I don't want to say them and also I don't want to be you know rightfully cancelled for it you know um, and taken out of context uh, I also am not going to probably run any games uh, that look at certain groups from World War II in any favorable light, if we ever go through that era. Um, because most of them, I would say, uh, 
uh, uh, I'm going to say the entire organization does not deserve to be looked at favorably. And the few individuals in history who could be looked at more favorably, I don't want to give anybody ammunition to think I'm supporting them as a group. Period. Um, so, uh, and that's just because, no, this is the internet, man. I'm not doing that. I'm not stupid. I'm not smart, <laughs> but I'm not that stupid, at least. Uh, so... Uh, we're gonna have a lot of fun with that. Uh, other things, uh, like I said, with with uh, racism throughout time, um, I am going to do my best to present something that is good without accidentally falling into a hole. Uh, there is a fantastic episode if you go back and watch Doctor Who. Watch the original episode of Doctor Who from 1953. It racist as hell because they go back in time and meet a bunch of indigenous people and proceed to listen to the doctor for a long time go on for, and I'm saying this in the context of the episode, talk about extol the virtues and downsides of the red man. It was in the 1950s. Those type of things were, I mean, hell, I remember growing up when the stuff of the stuff in the Peter Pan animated was, was far more. I was going to just say Peter Pan, man. It's like, Oh, 63, 63, not 53. Thank you. Um, but you go back and it's like, Oh damn, but Hey, it doesn't fly these days. And, uh, nor should it. Oh, by the way, Cleveland's changing their name. Did you guys hear about that? Also, I say guys a lot. I mean, guys is a gender neutral. I, I know it's bad. I'm working on it. Um, so the Cleveland Indians are, as of 2022, or 2023, I forget which season, are going to be the Cleveland Guardians. They've changed their name willingly. Mm. Mm. Nice. Yeah, so hey, that's something that happened. Uh, And James Gunn has said if their mascot's not a raccoon with a gun, he's going to be very upset. (laughs) Okay, that's fantastic. I think that's fine. Like, that's good. Good job, Cleveland. You did something right for a change. I lost the one viewer from Cleveland. No, you know how bad it is there. <laughs> you got the museum and you've got Drew Carey. What else? What else? Come at me. You can't leave Ohio. It has a pull. It keeps your kind there. What is oh, Ohio is like... Some sort of oh, Americanism. It's an American so joke that you would... It's some American joke that you wouldn't understand. I'm too Canadian. You're too Canadian. Ohio yeah. is basically a circle of salt and iron filings for people from Ohio. They can't leave without being burned. <laughs> it's like a devil's trap in the shape of Ohio. Okay. Oh, the... Yes, the rejected Cleveland Tourism Board videos are so good. Um, okay. What? So... Uh, do we want specific? Okay, so the last question I had is: Do we want specific content warnings before each episode, or should we just have a blanket mature warning? So there's something to be said about this. The constant argument in, against content warnings is, uh, for one, besides the people who say, "Oh, they're stupid and people should be tougher," no, 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 no. You don't go into a Disney movie expecting to see, like, if you are from a place that experienced recent genocide, you don't go to a Disney movie expecting to see mass slaughter, for example. And when it shows up in your cereal, you will be surprised and upset, right? And there are times where trauma appears where you're not prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, that that is wrong. I'm talking about the whole, like, it spoils it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a counter to that though, that if I say an episode is going to contain like themes of violence or, or, um, uh, say like sexualized violence is an easy one, um, to, to, to bring into this, but that, um, it would, it will include that. Uh, but then it also has the dread factor where someone who might be sensitive to that might avoid the entire episode rather than 
look into it at all because they're going to be constantly worried like a jump scare type of thing like that noise the is going to be in the back of their soul you know so what do you think um, well i think if you're going to go into anything like that it would probably have be a conversation that we even as players would have and i think that's a courtesy we should extend to our viewers as well a lot of people in the chat are asking for content warnings. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Specific ones. Yeah. So specific we're gonna we're accounts. gonna do specific ones. Okay. So yeah, I will yeah. I will do. Okay. If that is what. So uh, I'm gonna base this on the chat that's in front of me. If you're watching on YouTube later or you're watching the VOD, feel free to leave comments or join us on our Discord. Uh, post the Discord, Robin. Uh, feel, so feel free to that. Um, so yeah, Vancouver by night. Good to see you there. And episodes could include the following. Is a good way to do it because that also means that I can freestyle a bit. Yeah. I uh, think Amy. if you, though if, at the same so, time that okay. then covers a blanket again. So uh, Amy so, was talking first, then Jen, then Christine. Yeah. yeah. So I think we should do a bit of both. So there's a blanket warning of this is just a mature rated with these like there's going to be mature like language, violence, etc. This is just part of the package that this entire show has. If you're not comfortable with that, steer clear from the entire okay, the thing. Pack, the package warning. Have a package one. But also, if you're knowing that one episode in particular is going to be particularly harsh, that you know we're going to have themes of sexualized violence in this one specifically, yep. say, preface that one and say, yep. this one will, we will, some like, if you need a summary of what happened, we could, okay. like, maybe come up with that or something. Sure. That sounds fantastic. So I'm going to put this out here real quick. Episode one is going to have themes of... Uh, uh, of uh, some brief trauma, uh, mostly just told through like little flashes that aren't really going to amount to much. Uh, suggested sexualized violence that's going to end with the exact opposite of that, which is uh, a assaulter probably being exploded. Um, which, uh, and then will be mostly an action adventure game. Besides that, uh, episode two, if my timeline works, will include graphic, gruesome depictions of um, uh, of murder. Uh, not yours, hopefully. Um, you or, or any of you at home either. Uh, so uh, that that will be there. Uh, but I'm just letting you know in advance. So, uh, Amy, do you have anything to add to that? Then I'll pass it to Jan I, and the Christine. I, do have something to add to that and i'm just thinking that if we're if you want to break it down a little bit so that people know like you're saying it'll happen within the first x amount of time roughly if you have a timeline for the episode or like you know it'll happen it'll be like okay it'll happen after the break or something like that so that people can be like okay i'll watch until the break and then i'll take an x amount of walk time and come back later like if we can do something like that sure, maybe sure. Um, i don't, and I don't then, think it'll be needed in every episode to be honest no I think that no it's not, like, not in everyone but if there's anything episode two there's gonna be there's gonna be a vivisected body so that's <laughs> gonna get pretty gross okay um jen I was basically going to say the same thing as Amy, but um, just the like uh, having the specific warnings for the games, you know, stuff's going to come up in and then um, the general mature content warning. And that should still let you freestyle a little bit. You just also know yourself that you haven't specifically warned against something. So maybe mm -hmm. don't go too deep into it. Yes, fair. And by the way, yeah. um, when I am, you know what, Christine, you go first before I say anything else. I've talked. About um, so I. Yeah, I, basically what Amy was saying was that, okay, we have the generalized warning for the game as a whole. And then maybe like, if say, yeah, sexualized violence, violence against children. Yes, that was like, just brought up in the specific chat. Specific animal cruelty, anything like that. That's really are well known and common triggers for people. Um, having a specific warning for those that we give at the beginning of the game. Mm -hmm. um, 
However, that doesn't catch anybody who doesn't maybe manage to show up exactly when we start. Well, and a lot of <sighs> game tends to be improvised as well. For example, if you go and some, if something occurs, it just occurs. And I can't, I can't warn for that, unfortunately. So that'll have to be um, covered by the package. The only thing I thing I could think of for that was if you wanted to try and do something like potentially a command, like a exclamation content warning or something that you just updated with the specific ones for that particular game. Is there a way to do and that with like, a spoiler tag, Amy? I don't know. Can you look that really? up? Can I can I can I charge you with looking that up since you Yeah, something like that. chat knows um, something too. And then what Robin good. mentioned in our private chat for YouTube specifically doing the content warning in the description and including time codes so that people can still watch and they know this particular chunk is going to contain the thing that bugs them mm -hmm. or upsets so, them. Now, with that stated, I need to make sure that I express something very clearly to the viewers right now. Just because I'm saying there is content here, I am a strong believer both in my writing and in my performance that understating something is more effective than overstating something. And understating means that you can get it in as into it as you want. Okay? So, for example, if there is a scene of violence or gore, it is much more useful to give vague descriptions than specific in descriptions. Because it's easier, A, to tune out if you don't want to hear it, and B, if you do want to hear it, your imagination will explain what happened to that poor guy than anything i can come up with it'll be and it'll be tailored to what makes you go ick and you did it to yourself not me so i'm not going to go overboard i'm not going to be like talking about the number of hairs on the back of this body's head right like that's stupid i'm gonna say like broad strokes like a murder victim was cut from his navel to his throat and his organs were rearranged and there was a party kazoo put in his mouth you know, I'm going to give you the cool stuff that you need to know. I'm not going to go so into detail that I'm going to make myself sick even. Um, well, so and honestly, in the end, the more you gloss over it, the more our own imagination will fill in the gaps and make yeah. it creepier. Exactly. It's, it's, it's the, yeah. it's the sure. I'm sorry to bring him up, but it's the Lovecraft approach, right? Like, the, uh, like mm -hmm. you let the imagination fill in the blanks. Let's not talk anymore about Lovecraft because that is a story. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be good. Uh, and I think, yeah, we'll do a generalized thing. Um, I'm not going to go super dark at times, but it will get dark. Uh, this game is going to have uh, a lot of uh, a lot of murder. Uh, it is going to have diabolism in it. Uh, it has several working titles, which are in a bin somewhere. I realized I was going to have them out for this. They're under my green screen. Um, so, uh, but it's going to be a fun ride, and I hope you stick with us on it. Uh, so finally, the last thing that we have to do is we are going to, uh, I was convinced by Christine and I think Amy to do something for this. Um, mm -hmm. In our Werewolf the Forsaken game, I started every episode with a piece of fiction. Uh, these pieces of fiction uh, evolved throughout the play. In season two, I used them introduce, to introduce antagonists so that they had additional weight. And so that, you know what I said about jump scares a while ago about how you hear that note building and building and building? If I tell you that an enemy's coming before you know it, you have time to marinate. Um, I've been convinced to do this on select episodes. Uh, in fact, the entire story, being that it's back in time, is going to exist under a framing narrative that some longtime Mage fans will be very, very excited to hear, I think. Um, given that my current writing gigs are primarily writing 
fiction for the Chronicles of Darkness, like Storyteller's Vault, like is kind of my wheelhouse right now. Um, especially because I write a lot of stuff, including canonized characters. Um, so I think you're going to like that. Um, with that in mind, uh, each season or story arc is going to be a book. Um, that's the way we're going to do it. And chapter names are going to be things like uh, wherein four women meet under unusual circumstances or <laughs> wherein Horizon explodes and then reforms on the back of a turtle. Or Excellent. things like that. We're going to use Victorian titling for the episodes if I can fit them on the damn screen because Victorian titles are sometimes 30 words long. Yep. It's just yeah. like, just, just read the damn chapter, man. It's two pages. It's not two pages. It's never two pages. <laughs> the, the title's half the chapter, yeah. <laughs> the title's half the chapter and it's a summary of the chapter so that you know whether or not you want to read the chapter. But yeah. it's, yeah. Uh, so uh, the book is going to be the book. Um, but book one, I have several names for this. Uh, so book one of this, I wanted y'all to weigh in on it. Predominantly the players was that, see, I can't check the messages right now. So, uh, oh, everybody has to pee. Okay. <laughs> Which negates I, the point of a private chat, but okay. Yeah. I, I have to pee there. Just me. Just me. Okay. Okay. Um, oh so. God. In which... Since, since Robin's gone, Yeah, I since you're going, do. you go. Anyway, so let's just vamp for a bit. Yeah, Okay, so... Um, by the way, I just want to say thank you all for being out here. We've got a strong following of about six, uh, yeah. about 60 people in here right now talking about Mage. Pretty rad. Yeah. Um, That's impressive for, like, a session zero where we're not actually playing the game. It's I like... guarantee next week is going to be dope. Uh, I've been working on the soundtrack. Oh, I'm so I looking forward to my, my wig. wig still... Yeah, I need to. I'm hoping it works. Okay, yeah. I will. I will try to check that out. Uh, these games are going to be rad. They're going to be. Uh, you'll see yourself out. You can stick around, Ravnos, unless you have to pee. <laughs> uh, so next Saturday is when it's going to begin. It's going to be fully costumed. I have to finish my costume because I. I don't know what the hell I'm wearing. I've got so much Victorian crap now. At least my, my costume is actually very simple. Mm. It is a shirt and a wig. Yeah. Oh, I have a shirt, and I have a vest and a wig. I don't think you have some makeup because I was looking up that. You got a fan? I have. You also have a fan. So, so, uh, so chat, sweet minkers. Uh, if you look, actually, all of our games except for one are costumed. So you might like that. We have a lot of really good cosplayers in our group and uh, some professional cosplayers and uh, some just habitual ones. We've got a drag queen as well. Um, former former drag queen? I don't know. I don't know if he still does drag. Uh, got a couple drag kings as well, but they don't really practice anymore. Um, I also have like other stuff that I haven't decided yet if I'm going to actually I hope you'll like use it, it or not hmm. in game or to do with my magic, potentially. They're not very good. They're very cheap. But Oh, oh, excellent. Those are great. Yeah, those, those are pretty but good. Yeah. Here, let me let me see. They're if I can really get shitty. Like they that, really did you the, get the flip. They don't want to bend, bend very well like the. Welcome back, that. Robin. You're going to PM me now, and then I'm going to have to go through the entire rigmarole again, aren't I? Mm -hmm. Well, I'm I'm going to explain something that is kind of personal, but I don't oh, okay. really want to go for the oh, YouTube so I should, chat. So I, so... Read, so I shouldn't read it out to the audience. Okay. Yes. No. Okay. But yeah. No. Here's here's one of my one of my props. You've just been elected to Parliament. I'm so excited. Okay. I got these gloves. So, regardless, I'm going to wrap some stuff up in a sec. Um, yep. 
so um, welcome back, Jen. Uh, so I'm going to to wrap this up in a sec, but I wanted to say real quick, uh, we need to come up with a name for the game. So I have a couple that I would like to uh, suggest. Uh, one is uh, to call book one the peculiar year. Uh, I don't know if I can actually pronounce the damn thing. The peculiar year. And that, if you look at the screen right now, it's going to go right in that blank space there. So, you see down at the bottom there? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's oh. going to go in that blank space. Uh, so, the peculiar year, uh, which I am not great at saying. Uh, the other one that, uh, the, pecu the peculiar epoch is the other one, but that's, it seems a little, little, too, little too pretentious, even for the Victorian era. Um, the other is, um, uh, the devil and the doves. Uh, and if you are a fan of my Mage the Ascension games, meaning if you're the players of the Mage the Ascension games, you will understand w how weighted that unassuming word is. Jen just Jen just completely went. Uh, I'm gonna say that Jen stood here. up straight at the word dove, but uh, I did not. But I was trying to sit no. up so it was better in frame. But <laughs> I, I yeah no. The moment you first suggested that one, I was like, mm -hmm, is it the devil and the mm -hmm. doves or the doves and the devil? I preferred the devil and the doves. <laughs> yeah, Otheon just devil got it. <laughs> in mage there is always a uh, there is always a dove there is always a uh, what was the other part of that there's always a city there's always a lighthouse is what it is in bioshock and in my mage games there's always the doves and always um that other thing which we'll talk about later yeah. uh the clearest and catches yeah well, when you said when you first wrote that one in our other chat um i i was like i love this and then i was like is it too much and then I went back. I'm like, no, I love this. Oh, okay. I wasn't yeah. sure if it was too much. That's okay. Good. So then I'm going to tell Michael uh, to put up that and and do any last minute tweaks on our frames. Uh, so first off, thank you very much to Michael, uh, who you might know as Sylvester Slays on Twitch. Uh, you also might know him as uh, Zan the Plan in our Curse of Strahd game. You might know him as, uh, uh, not Rain. Uh, you might know him. It's been a while since we've played Cyberpunk. Uh, you might know him as Vale Fender uh, in Cyberpunk Red on this channel. You might also know him uh, very soon as a character in the upcoming Deadlands game because we're starting a new a new campaign or chronicle uh, basically about every month. So uh, July is Mage. Uh, August, uh, technically early September, is Deadlands. And then mid-September is our uh, Wild Beyond the Witchlight Dungeons & Dragons game. Uh, he was with... also in Aberrant. Oh, yeah, and he was also in Aberrant. So if you've watched him on the Onyx Path, he was uh, he was he was Donnie, also known as Ignition. Uh, anyway, Michael's a fantastic guy, uh, and he does all of our graphic design here. And honestly, we we could not do this with well, we could do this without him. But my God, it would be ugly. Uh, it would not go, look nearly as good. Go, go yeah. back, go back and see what it used to look like when we played around a round table, and uh, <laughs> it, we it was quaint. It was quaint. It was we quaint. we had a look for podcasting to say uh so thank you very much michael for for doing that uh for us i also want to thank eve who i don't believe they are watching right now uh but uh the artist who did uh the art in the the photos uh the art of uh, mr dashwood is coming shortly because i had that commissioned as well and nice. um it is going to be fantastic i've seen some shorts the dude looks so foppish 
And I have my top <laughs> so, hat in the other room. I'm so excited. Also, I love how we look on Twitch in the like the portraits. Yeah, they're really good, right? Yeah. And uh, I'll show you after this what the uh, the thumbnails look like. So that's going to be fantastic. Um, so, folks, uh, that is probably a good place as any to call it here. Thank you for sitting with us and listening about game and why we're hyped about this. Um, this game is going to run probably into November. Um, I don't know. It's gonna. We're going to do this organically. I'm not. I'm just basically dedicating my Saturdays to this. Um, the schedule, so that you are aware of it, is we are running on the 31st. We are running on the 7th. I think it is, but chronologically. Um, and so we've got two games to get you hyped, and then we're away for two weeks. Uh, so sorry about that. Uh, Christine and I are going on vacation, and then the week we get back, uh, you are going to be able to join us for Extra Life in August. And if you liked what we do here. You're going to love what we do for Extra Life because we are running 11 games over three days for the Tabletop Appreciation Weekend. All proceeds from that are going to be raised for the BC Children's Hospital as part of the Children's Miracle Network. Last year, we raised $15,000 for these kids, but we were weak back then. And this year, we're going to raise twenty. Which yeah. I think I managed to hit 800 last year, so I think I need to go for gold and go for 1,000. You need 1, to go for gold, uh, so it'll be really good. Um, oh, you hope you come for that. It'll be a bunch of one-shots. Uh, there's like all sorts of games ran by different Dork Tales team members. It's going to be really great. Uh, and the very least, it's a lot of fun. Um, if you like what we do here as well, please uh, give us a follow. It makes me feel good to see our numbers go up. Uh, go over on YouTube. Give us a sub over there because it makes me feel good to see that go up. Uh and uh, if you want to support the stream monetarily, you may do so uh, through subscriptions here on Twitch. Uh, you can also, if you have Amazon Prime, you get a free subscription through Twitch Gaming once a month. You have to refresh it every month. Uh, but it's money that is already there. It costs you nothing and costs Jeff Bezos a few bucks that keep him out of space. So keep Jeff Bezos on Earth by giving Torktails money. God damn that <laughs> rocket. That rocket. Second biggest dick in... Never mind. Never mind. I'm gonna get banned off Twitch if I if I complain about Jeff. Um, but uh, and we also have a Patreon, which you can come support us at with additional perks, which are rolling out very soon. It's been really busy getting Candlekeep Mysteries done and getting this game set up. Uh, I love all you patrons, and I hope to appease you soon, like angry gods. Uh, but seriously, we can't do anything here at Door Kills without you. I really appreciate all of you. Um, uh, even if you can't afford to support financially, know that we're never going to have anything behind a paywall because we're here doing stuff because I want to share it with you, and so do the players. Um, we hope that this game is going to be very cathartic, very fun, very exciting, and maybe a little bit historically interesting. We'll bring up stuff about pineapples that you might not have heard of uh, because they're fun. And <laughs> uh, and is am I changing my hair for extra life? I don't know, Saffron, how much money you giving me? Which, I mean, Saffron, if you don't want to, like, Change Kelly's hair. You could pick my hair color for November. Uh, I have potentially, uh, we may potentially be running a hot tub stream uh, if we earn enough money. Um, maybe well, not. No, maybe not. Hmm. No, apparently it's got a leak. Oh, the hot tub? So if okay. David only uses it once a year, then they're not going to repair it. Ah, what if we duct tape it? So it okay. might be gone by can then. You, can you rent a hot tub? Probably not because we will find someone with a hot tub. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll see what we can do. Um, so uh, with that, 
that would be for November anyway, actually. So, um, so, uh, folks, uh, be sure to join the discord as well. So you can see like all the cool stuff we're doing. We use it as a hub for all of the Dorktales team members who stream their own stuff, video games and other stuff. Uh, and I, uh, I would love to see you on there. I'm occasionally on there and, uh, usually just getting blown away by cool stuff. Um, if you want to reach us, that's a great way to do it. And, uh, what else should I say? What else should I say? Oh, um, um, well, we just had a hype oh. train in income, so okay, we can't so end yet. Hype, so, hype, uh, hype. it's going to be I really great. We're going to run mage. I, and if I run... <laughs> it's all uh, hype for mage. If I run more mage, then I will have to run more mage. And then who knows what I will run. Um, uh, <laughs> oh, oh what is, what's, what's this technocracy all over my shirt? Oh. I don't know. It's, it's catching. It's I think catching. it's catching. It's 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 sensually oh, no. transmitted at the very least. Oh my god! Um, I also and, have one of those. Oh, and so because I didn't explain it at the beginning of the stream, and the Onyx Path are if you are still here, I'm gonna tell you a quick story about this shirt before you leave, Ian. Uh, so a couple years ago, back in 2015, uh, oh god, that was six years ago. Uh, I ran a long technocracy game uh, using some of the early pre M20 technocracy things that had been published. Uh, we learned about Everett volumes and alternate dimensions, and I decided <laughs> that I that I wanted to run one final Mage LARP because I'd been running Mage LARPs for about a decade at that point. And I decided what I'd do is I would get every Mage game out of my system by running an alternate world game where the characters would get forced to travel like in the Sliders show from world to world collecting things in order to stop a catastrophe. This was the show United We Stand. The, um, pardon me, the, uh, the game United We Stand. Um, oh, did you? The, those convention books are dope as hell. Uh, I I actually met the author, uh, like the, the 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 dev that was working on them at a at a local con. Seemed like a really cool guy. Um, I still I, I wrote a patch for the Iteration X book because the convention Iteration X convention book um, never got a revised edition. So I wrote a patch because it's an X. Of course, I'm gonna call it a patch. And I promised I'd send it to him. And I I did that thing where I was like, oh, I'll. I forgot is what happened. Um, but so this is the t-shirt we had commissioned afterward. And because it was an alternate world game, yep. these are there it is. every single world we went to. Yep. Set up like is. a like a tour shirt. Yep. And uh, these shirts are dope. Everybody from the game still has theirs. Yep. And uh, my dog's barking at me. And How is that 2015? Right. Like 2014 right. when it started, right? Wasn't it? Was it? No, it was 2015 when it started. And it was 2015 when it started, okay. One yeah. sec. I'm going to show you the best part of all from this game that would ex that will explain to you how much my damn players get into these <laughs> mage games. Oh, I know what you're pulling out. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. Okay. I have both of them. Nice. So, even before I was streaming on Twitch, I like to run my role-playing games like movies or TV seasons. What is the... I don't know. This is a fake backdrop. This is a green screen. I don't, I don't live in a place this nice. I always put it on when I'm having meetings so that people think I'm important. So, um, so I always... It's great. I know, right? My fancy, my bougie apartment. It's well, so... Do you like mine? 
Oh, oh my God, it's so yeah, bougie. And like mine. So. Yeah, uh, just, well, here, we're in the same place, Amy. I'm in just in a different room. <laughs> so many books in mine. So, it's true. So I always run my shows, my shows. I always run my games like TV shows where I try to make sure that there's spotlighting and that there's like meaning that characters get, you know, center of attention and that things are fun. Uh, in one episode of this alternate reality sliding game, the characters went to Earth. Our Earth, in fact, <laughs> where game? this this show this game Such was a, a game. tv show on netflix that was <laughs> and what i on did it, on streamo pardon me on streamo that's our that's our proprietary software so, uh, proprietary show um and the characters were all playing the actors that played them because i had them all pick characters i had them pick actors before the game to represent their characters for photoshopping and things like that and um so they all had to play their actors playing themselves, pl being played by the person that had quantum leaped into their bodies, basically. And I said it during Vancouver Fan Expo, because of course it was filmed in Vancouver, because everything is filmed in fucking Vancouver. Okay, so hold on. It gets even better. Okay. Oh my God. And apparently Onyx Path thinks that you live in LaCroix's office at the top of Ventru Tower in LA, which is accurate. That is accurate. Fair. Uh, don't open the sarcophagus unless you want a surprise. Um... So they had to do that, and I booked a bunch of my friends, because I'm big in the convention scene around here, so I got as many fangirls as I could, and we had Q&A sessions with them in front of the room. And because my friend Michael, the graphic designer, is wonderful, is wonderful, we had a signing party as well. So I would like to present to you the season one box set of this game. <laughs> Signed by the cast. <laughs> right? And the season two signed by the cast. Which it's so includes... Good. It's so good. It's so good. Which includes, like, the Technocratic Chronicles. And, like, don't go mad. Get even. This was the Marauder season. So, like... Return to the explosive series that has captivated viewers around the world. This five-disc collection contains every twist, turn, and secret of United We Stand Season 2, including never-before-seen footage and special features from the cast and crew. The walls of reality shudder under the onslaught of marauders, mages driven mad by their own power, and the technocracy has no choice but to respond with all their might. Villains will rise, heroes will fall, and loved ones will perish in the crossfire as the characters uncover the world-shattering truth that will change everything forever. Five-disc collector's edition. In the lab with Stephanie Leonidas and Freya Tingley. The creatures of United We Stand. These are the bulleted bonus features. Remaking reality, the special effect and design of Dark Lore Creative. United We Stand, Confidential. Sneak previews of Season 3. Alternate endings for Season 2's breathtaking conclusion. Clive Owen and Lee Bingbing on their feature, on their futures with United We Stand because they were cast as, as actors. An exclusive look at Wake Up Seattle, the upcoming comic book tie-in from Mithril Media Press. Oh God, so good! It's so we're so we're so dorky here. Um, he still wants to do season. He needs to do season three, damn it! Because we ran for how many seasons? We we ran for five seasons. Because I broke everything up into seasons like a TV show. It was uh, I could have ran six seasons of movie, and then the first one was from the creator of the cult hit The Ascension, which was the previous tradition LARP. Comes an all new series. Thirteen years have passed since the technocratic union defeated the nine mystic traditions and seized dominion over reality. That's what they think. 
In the wake of tragedy, the leaders of Seattle's control have recruited a host of new agents from around the, the globe to replace their fallen, but nothing is as it seems. Now these new recruits find themselves facing down magical terrorists, seductive vampires, rampaging terrorists... Uh, oh, I redid Terrace twice. Internal corruption and the worst of all, their own pasts. Five Disc Collector's Edition contains all extended episodes of United We Stand Season 1. All new United We Stand Roundtable. Lunch with the... Lunch with the... Uh, lunch with a special word from the cast of The Ascension. Four behind-the-scenes featurettes, including technocratic hardware, science of magic, and more. Audio commentary by series creator Kelly Clark, Alice Cooper, Clive Owen, and more. Uh, Alice Cooper was Michael's uh, actor. Uh, tons of deleted scenes gag reels edition tapes and season two spectaculars and more uh outside oh my god i forgot that this is here oh my god i'm fanboying over my own shit uh, there is a there is a quote at the bottom outshines its predecessor in every way uh, more of a companion piece than a sequel this is how the ascension should have become because the thing is uh, the previous larp was supposed to be like a quite a long one and i ended up getting a job in japan and had to cut it like compress the ending into like three episodes so we got canceled was the joke and this is from terry luz of fangoria who is my fucking vampire character that i used to record all of those fake radio bits for a previous LARP, Jen. You remember Terry Luz? Terry Luz, After Dark. God. <laughs> Who did the voices? Erica did the voices for that. They were so good. I still have those. Oh my god. So anyway... <laughs> Um, thank yeah. you for thank you for watching this show and thank you for watching United We Stand. Oh. <laughs> god damn it. Oh, man. Um, oh, uh, the, oh, oh actually, Vancouver okay. by Night. Um, actually, one of the characters, uh, Chris's character, went and binged the entire show while they were in that world because they were hour long episodes. He watched everything and learned stuff about his backstory and about other characters that changed yeah. his entire narrative. Yeah, he was yep. basically allowed to go around and ask us questions and we had to tell him. Yeah. Yep. Hilarious. It was great. It was so good. Um, yeah. It was a fantastic episode. And I got to play myself as a complete douchebag rather than just a half douchebag. <laughs> Man, that guy had a drinking problem. <sighs> and was really fat. He was really out of shape. Like, he was like 2009 Kelly out of shape. Mm. Don't go 2009 Kelly out of shape. Be 2000, be 2019 Kelly. 2019 Kelly was a good vintage, like right before COVID. Oh man, my ass was looking so good. <laughs> I was Elos's ass. Anyway, uh, but no, it was, it was amazing. Like they, they totally did that. Um, and it was, it was fantastic. It was a really good LARP. Um, it was good. Um, I love the ending. It would take too long to explain, but the entire yeah. ending Oh there was God. a lot that happened. The ending was so good. The ending, was, my favorite part of the ending wasn't even the ending. It was what happened with Forrester. Because the villain, <laughs> the villain broke reality in order to get the life that he thought he deserved. And when he, he got it, he went up to the door to be with the woman that he was, he was, he was inselling for. Let's be fair. Um, that he was standing for. And he almost had it. And then he realized that he didn't deserve it. And I mean, it got pointed out to him before that. <laughs> yes, but that is the point of mage. It's hubris. And he had to learn it for himself. Damn it. 
So like that was the important part was that he made it there. The entire game had just been part of his evil plan. And then at the end, he's like, oh, balls. And then he survived and escaped and has made a couple of appearances in other games, including Hunter the Vigil. Because he's played by James Spader and you can't kill James Spader. He's invincible. But uh, yeah, it is it is fantastic. I love Mage the Ascension. I love everything you can do with it. And I love the humanism at its core. We are going to have a freaking phenomenal game. It's going to be heckin' wonderful. You're going to learn all about spheres. And um, I'm just going to wait till Robin gets back. And uh... um, check the chat. Oh, should I? Yes. Yeah. She's back. All right. Hi. Hi. All right. So, folks, uh, that is going to be it for us tonight. Uh, we love you very much. We will see you in one week. Uh, but, hey, we run a lot of stuff here on Dorkdale, so come watch other stuff, too. And if this is your first time playing with the World of Darkness, um, good luck. <laughs> It'll be fun. We love you very much. Good night, everybody. Mage the Ascension, the Victorian Age, Book One, The Devil and the Doves, is a Dorktales production. It stars Christine Rattray as Dr. Evelyn Taylor, Amy Godfrey as Chastity Prudence Goodwin, Jen Peters as Josephine Carrington Bonnie Tharsis, and Robin Holford as Darcy Harkness. Its storyteller is Kelly Clark. For a full list of music used in this episode, please check the show notes below. This episode also used music and sound effects from TabletopAudio.com. Tabletop Audio is one of the best resources that a role player can have. It has ambient sound effects, 10-minute loops, and plenty of things to bring additional ambience to your role-playing experience. We're not sponsored by them, we just love them. Go visit them today and support them if you can. If you like what we do here, you can help us grow by becoming a patron at patreon.com dorktales. Speaking of which, I'd like to take a minute to thank all of our patrons at patreon.com dorktales, starting with our Patreon producers. Our divine producer, uh, my mom, and I guess my stepdad, Bob. Our demonic producer, Bricarious. Our fun, but evil, Funkle. We love you, Uncle Marty. Our wizards of the Patreon, Tammy the Forever Cleric and the Ink Goblin. The High Council of Patreon, Taryn, the original Dorktales fangirl, Dustin, our time-traveling buddy from 1977, Drizelta, a.k.a. James Bododge, Cubby Gummy, Amberthist, Raven with Baubles, Karasha Urquhart, Sergio, Chef Aladeth, LaRouk, Sorcerer Sanguine, and Mike Baxter, our level 20 hero, Michael I, the graphics guy, our level 10 heroes, Nacro, the Straw Hat Devil, Hans H. Boundahoof, Professor Multiverse, Snowy323, Chandra Magic, Draconis Majers, Renee Hayes, Dodger Lakers fan, Jamal Cheatham, Spork Saber, Colin Son, Iron Warrior X, Voidweaver, Peppermint, Raven of Arlix, Craig Hallstrom, Darcy Gibbs, and a Lizard with Daft Ideas. Our very important patrons, who donate five or more dollars per month, an actual guinea pig, Dale Cope, the eternal student of life, Camille, who may be six possums in a trench coat, Evan, longtime listener, first time patron, Jason Tudor, the mayor of Icewind Dale, Krista Mitchell, the Siege FX engine, Rio, but without the OZ, Robin Holford, the wine master, United Adventure Company, SM Pace, Hillary, Matt DS, Eric and Amber, Evil, Tommy Kiyama Svensson, Olivia, Red Monk, Storm Shanks, Jacob, Random Equinox, Uncanny Kate, Dazed Apricot, The Bong Master, David Ellis, Jeremy Smith, Lockjen, Slurm, Slouching Beast, Graham Rudkin, Paula Chino, Chris Deeds, Malazang, Jacob Shinji McDonald, Laura Arasmith, Mashmakan, Just Andy, an Insomniac Veterinarian, Marcel, Los Grack and So Honorable, Bryn Hawker, Whistler, DM Shari, Gaming Hyperpanda, Stuart Tiffin, The Dixon Three, Owls, Bartold, KC, Tyler Saunders, David Carnan, Fally Pally, Waffle Rabbit, Eric of Norse Foundry, Robbie Dick, Parker Radborn, Caitlin Vinkle, Brandon Keane, Walter Mann, Diggy Diggy Blog, Marcos Olguin, Chris Kane, Braddockism, 
Stephen, Denise Atwood, Wolfgang, Nyla, Russell Christian, Shelley Garvin, Johnny Nemec, Yosef, Stephen Malik, Game Hen, Panda Sior, James G, Sabersloth, Joshua Chandler, Frederic Laponte Moret, Karama215, Tyrone Slothrup, Andrew Rambling Gamer, Ezra Santos, Christian Loy, QXVW198, Cade Green, Mitch D, The Comment Guy, Jade the Maker of Monsters, Phoenix Queen, Chris, Trey, Dark Sun, and the Queer Mountain Witch. And finally, our Dork Squad. Jen Peters, Daniel, Brent, CTRSTY, Hayliz, Patrick, Zach Rules, Britton Williams, Ava Hernandez, Jacob Embry, Catherine Petricelli, Kathleen Halperin, Judith Steen, Orion the Scott, Heavy Metal and T, Erica Lena, Kayla Haynes, Shannon McLean, Oni Yuri, Stephen Pearson, Dennis Dory, Isaac Griffin Onan, Hunter, and Robert Leach. If you'd like to hear your name at the end of these episodes and get access to exclusive perks, feel free to join us on patreon.com slash dorktales. Dorktales survives on the generosity of our patrons, and I can't express how grateful I am to each and every one of you for your support. Thank you so much, and thanks to you for listening. If you want to reach out, you can find us on the Dorktales Discord. We hope you join us, and we'll see you in the next episode.